Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. The babies are in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for Happy Hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 56. And we have a good episode today? Of course, we have a great episode today. This episode made me laugh harder than any other episode we've had. That's my line. Is it your line? I said that. When did you say that? After we recorded it. I find you do this often. (laughs) You steal things I say and then pawn them off as your own ideas. I'm like the dude. I don't even know that reference. In in The Big Lebowski, throughout the whole movie, anytime that the dude has a line that seems like prophetic or a little more, you know, has better vocabulary than he has, it's a line that he had heard from some other point in the movie. So like at one point he hears something over the news and then he uses that line later in the movie and... I don't love that movie, but I believe you. (laughs) But anyway, who do we have on today's episode? So first off, we've got Justin Pizzuto, who is the husband of former podcast guest Jillian Harris, mom blogger extraordinaire involved in a million different things, was a former bachelorette. And Justin has, he's like kind of turning into his own internet celebrity now well he's he's abandoned he he kind of unloads a uh, maybe a secret that he's quit his job yeah. or put it on hold at least and now he's going to be an influencer full-time and see how that goes and i think it's going to go pretty well yeah no justin is incredibly hilarious our episode with jillian was hilarious and we were really excited to have justin on because after we had jillian on justin had sent us a message saying that oh man like she got off you know off her reins i let her off her reins or something i wasn't able to rein her in on your episode and jill got crazy so we were like justin i mean if you ever want to get crazy you can come on our episode as a guest and you know not have jill there to rein you in so we were really hoping that we'd have a good time with justin and It was so much fun. Well, he's someone who you can ask him anything. Like there's some guests. I'm like, can I ask this? And then I I do anyways. And sometimes it falls flat. But with Justin, he sometimes I'd ask him a question that was a little edgy. And his answer, I'd be like, ooh, wow, he really he really (laughs) answered that, you know. And I I love him so much because there's no airs about him. There's no facade. He's Mm -hmm. he's one of the realest guests we've ever had. And like I said originally, this is the hardest I've ever laughed (laughs) with an interview guest. Oh, my goodness. He was cracking me up. And you heard me laughing while editing yeah, this I and I you were doing something on the computer so normally I don't wear headphones when I'm editing I just let the audio play but I had headphones on so it must have sounded pretty odd to just hear me <laughs> wailing away it did. Uh, by myself but yeah there's something about the way he talks and the way he delivers things that is is just fun to listen to I don't know it's, no. not, it's like Norm Macdonald it's not always what they're saying it's how they're saying yeah no i love justin and when we interviewed him it did feel like we were just sitting there talking to a buddy and i just wish that we all had beers that would just made it you know the cherry on the top yeah i guess no i I think you're doing like an italian like (laughs) mamma mia type thing i'm doing something but like um bon appetit yeah exactly but yeah, he's definitely he's definitely not scared of having his wife listen to this, you know, because sometimes you interview a man and they're like, OK, I'm going to choose my words mm-hmm. carefully because I don't want to rock the boat. But <laughs> some things he said, and it's really funny because you're really laughing at some of the things he, he's saying uh, uh, because he's, he's you know, brutally honest. Also. See, are we going to have to get Jill back now to have her kind of decode this episode and go through it in her own words? Like th- this is going to be an ongoing thing. I don't know. I think they're both 
honest and it's oh, both, I know. It's it's both amazing. their truth so i don't think she would refute anything because a mm-hmm. lot of his stuff he's saying too is opinion based and he's talking about how they first met and you know getting into a bunch of stuff but we also have nick vile from the bachelor and from the vile files podcast tonight and this was an interesting one because this was after we had recorded the justin bazuda one and justin is the type of guy you can kind of ask him anything and he will just answer. He's not very guarded. And Nick, although he is a very humorous person, he's not a really, he's not a silly guy. I had kind of this plan and I don't know what I was expecting to come out of it because I do know Nick's personality Mm -hmm. that he has a, a special temperament that's a little bit different than a person like Justin where you can kind of ask him any, anything. Yeah. And and Nick's a very thoughtful guy. So I did feel a little awkward in this interview about bringing up how I had hung out with his... Fiance. Fiance, his ex-fiance, Vanessa. And I was trying to be kind of funny, but it just, it felt like it totally fell flat. Yeah, maybe he, because he doesn't know you, maybe he thought that you were trying to do like a dig or something. That's how I interpreted it in my head. Maybe. And some of the Bachelor questions that I was trying Mm -hmm. to ask I feel like maybe he thought was hack because he's been affiliated with The Bachelor for so long but the problem is I was listening to his podcast before I got into the interview and he's so fascinated with The Bachelor when he's interviewing Bachelor contestants that he does delve deep on I didn't put in the math to say oh but these are newer Bachelor contestants who haven't been mined yet Nick's already been mined and kind of been asked everything Mm -hmm. under the sun so I find he shines when it's the questions about solving other people's problems that's his superpower he was so good for that so we had listeners sending questions about relationships and Nick delved right into them and he was so much fun and he was having a good time when we were doing that so I really love that you guys will love it so the first part maybe I, I had someone else edit this podcast uh and they told me it wasn't cringeworthy at all. But I remember in the in the beginning of the interview, I was cringing okay. and feeling terribly Shane, uncomfortable. Shane has this thing. So it's like every second podcast we do, he's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I think the first 10 minutes was bad, Alex. Like, oh, we had a bad energy. But then he listens to it in the editing room or we listen to it when it's over. And it's so good. And sometimes you have that like cringy feeling. You're like, oh, man, this is going to blow. And then... It's good and it translates and it's it works out. Yeah, well, what I've noticed is with these, how you feel in the room isn't always, the feeling doesn't always go into the audio file or the <laughs> yeah. video file. And it's like, how, how is that possible? Because it felt terrible at that moment. And I remember there was like a Woody Allen quote and it was like, nothing ever feels as good. Like when you're filming something, when you're Mm -hmm. directing something, the scene's never as good as you think it's going to be when you go to edit it. And it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. Ah, you tell, you tell me that every time I feel like I do a bad interview. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. And it's helpful. But, but you admittedly, you told me that, Oh geez, that didn't go well off the top. Yeah. So I had messaged uh, even the managers. I was like, listen, I was like, some of my questions fell flat, but this was a great episode. And I truly believe that. And uh, apparently the the person who edited this, her name's Erica, she told me it was fine. So Good. I hope you do enjoy it. And I do think Nick is a very special, almost like genius gift at giving advice. And I, I really do respect him. And I apologize if I was grading in any way, because that's n- <laughs> never my intention. Sometimes just best laid plans don't always go as such well shane yes let's get into it cheers cheers you we have a drink here i'm just gonna drink it blind 
Oh, this is seed lip drink. Okay. What do you think? It t- like if I if I was an alien. Okay, wait. <laughs> wait. Yeah. If I just came to Earth, I would think this was an alcoholic beverage. Right. So it's a negr- a Negroni. So it's the seed lip version of a Negroni. So we've got vermouth, seedlip, and Campari. I have a confession to make. What's I don't that? know what a Negroni is. You've had Negronis before with me, and you've liked them. I hope that's oh, enough. Well, that's all I need to know. <laughs> but this is very, very, very good. I'm putting it up with one of the best drinks mm-hmm. we've had. It's really, It tastes really alcoholic, eh? 100%. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of, I'm not sure of the psychology of this, but it does relax me even without the alcohol. I don't know how or why it works, but... You looked up some scientific studies on I did. non-alcoholic beer, and it worked for that. So I'm assuming those same things would apply to non-alcoholic what is spirits. It spirits, which Seedlip's the only one in the world, right? It was the first. It was the first. Oh, I've never there might heard. be one or two, but not noteworthy. Anyway, Shane, the, the drink is making you feel a little calm, scientifically proven. But how are you feeling tonight? How are you doing? Well, I feel good because we alluded to this. We had like an interview docu-series thing go on today and it was a bit like a therapy session i didn't know what to expect i didn't set this up you tried saying Hold i on. did because I, I thought you set it up no i didn't so okay initially i thought this was a setup from your friend con right and that my idea was that he set this up and it was a project that he's working on on his own and then talking to you after i had the feeling that you set it up no. So now I'm just confused. It was Khan's idea. This is my friend Khan. I used to work with him at Bell Media. He still works at Bell. He just works in a different division. But point is, Khan messaged me and he said, do you want me to film like a documentary profile on this family tree? And I said, yes, but what is that? <laughs> I don't know what that entails. And he's like, oh, I follow you around. I was like, could you send me an example? He's like, oh, I can't really find the review link for one. And Khan is amazing. Like, he's one of the best DPs, creative yeah, minds. Yeah, well, you talk about him all the time. Like, that was really the first time I got to hang out with him was today. But you talk about him so often. Well, he's just one of these that I feel people. Like I know he is such, like, an eye for what's right. Mm-hmm. And he's a very perfectionist type of personality, which I tend to gravitate towards people like that because I really uh, envy them because mm-hmm. I'm such a mess. But... Khan said, hey, if I'm going to drive down and shoot a profile and if you can trust me, uh, I'll send you an edit. And I said, sure. So he showed up and he asked us like an hour's worth of questions uh, on it with his he had all this equipment, this camera set up, this this amazing audio equipment. And we just kind of talked, but it was a bit like a therapy session because we were asked like (laughs) why we love each other and how we met and... All these things that just make me feel good about you and me and us and the the this podcast we talked about, like the how it came together, yeah. and that was almost like you know what a I, relationship meeting or something. I loved because uh, you know we talk about each other, I think, quite a bit because we have listener questions right in, like, oh, what do you like about Shane, whatnot. But Con was asking us, like, you know, what makes you or what listener questions have you gotten that have made you feel the most emotional and what's your favorite thing about working together and things like that and those kinds of things I hadn't really considered until he asked but I really do think it was like a therapy session especially since and I think it's kind of funny so Shane and I are on camera today we did this in my parents backyard we're both looking good I put on makeup Shane put on his nice jacket and we're sitting in my parents backyard and we are feeling I was feeling super full of love like were you or Yes. 
yeah so like feeling so lovey you know looking into each other's eyes when we're talking and everything I got emotional a few times and then when we were leaving I couldn't help but laugh because it's like last night Shane and I came to uh we were button heads quite a bit and we had like you know a big disagreement we were both trying to explain ourselves we were getting emotional in that uh, and we really just had like an emotional I think breakdown I, I was feeling really stressed from a lot of things that were going on and I was having trouble communicating that and then it was totally at odds seemingly with today what we did on camera when it was like totally loving and everything and I just found it funny because one situation we were in like the one last night where we were all upset versus tonight like one doesn't negate the other in both situations are like us being true and true emotions but it doesn't mean that we hate each other or we don't love each other less or things like that and it made me think of like couples in like famous couples and stuff who you know you might see them like arguing or a friend says oh they had a really bad argument it's all over the tabloids but it's like no like that happens you know and you can still be just so loving and it was it was crazy to me to have those two instances within like 24 hours of each other because like last night got me emotional right and mm-hmm. then today got me so emotional but in a different way and I was just wanting to know like did you were you thinking about that at all well I, when I was I was editing before we did this thing we're talking about with Khan I was editing the Justin Basuto interview and it was just fun because he was talking about how he met Jillian and it really made me think how you and I met mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know just made me think oh like there was like a time when things were so simple you know and good yeah and like things are so good now Mm -hmm. but I think that we get so caught up in what we're busy doing in trying to be good parents trying to support our family and trying to do this that and the other that sometimes we lose sight of why we like each other in the first place and I know <laughs> Shane and I are both tearing up right now but like I know that if we just sit back and step back from what we're arguing about even like as mad as you can get at your partner if you take a step back from it and just pull up one memory any memory any good memory you have of each other then everything else kind of starts flooding back in and it's impossible to think that you even for a split second didn't like that person do you know what I mean yeah, but I don't think we were arguing yesterday. <laughs> the day started with you saying that we had a sexless marriage, and what is that? We get, do, <laughs> no, we, I don't do we not say it? Okay, but but well, I don't know. We talk about sex, and then I was hurt by that because I was coming up to you to <laughs> say let's have sex, <laughs> and then. You were like, oh, but it's too late, like yesterday, like was when you wanted to have it. And we didn't. We didn't do it when you wanted to, so then I, I, I made it happen the next day. But you acted like we were like roommates who were friends who just had no sexual anything going on. And to me, I was like, oh, I thought other things counted towards being sexual. Mm-hmm. And then you were upset all day and I, I had planned for, you know, it to go down. And then I, I had a bath because <laughs> we can't shower at night because the baby sleeps in that room and I don't want to wake the baby up. So I had a bath. and Thinking about the text that I sent you. So Shane's in the bathtub trying to get all sexy and smell good for me. 
<laughs> and I sent him a text saying, are you taking a shit? <laughs> she, no, you said, are you taking a shit or having a bag? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, huh. Uh, just and then I, I get out of the bath immediately. I'm like, oh, I was having a bath. <laughs> no, you and you were looking sexy. And you know what? Just from the second I woke up yesterday, it was I had so many things weighing on me, and anything that I had wanted to do was just impossible. Like from the second I woke up, I think it was gonna be like that, and that's so unfortunate. I was trying to get myself out of that, but it was just every little thing that would happen would just weigh on me. And then another thing. But I was trying to pinpoint what was actually going wrong with you, so I'd be like, I'd be like, "Is it this?" And you'd be like, "No," and then I'd be like, <laughs> "Say it like that." No, well, you said it. How you said it, and you're like, "Was it this?" And then I think it was the things I was saying. But you were acting like it's just everything. I was like, "Well, if we took this out, would you mm-hmm. feel okay? If we did this," and then. You know, the whole the whole impetus of the fight seemed to be that I'm not initiating sex or I'm rejecting you. And then you reject me after all that when I thought that's what you wanted. So I was like very like frustrated. Well, because by that point, I had almost gotten nervous because there was so much buildup. And I was so frustrated from so many other things in the day that like that didn't involve you at all. Just like things I had to do and other stressors and then I just got nervous for the intimacy part which is so weird for me because that's something that I don't get nervous about and it was like I just got I got self-conscious I got nervous I got anxious for it and it was like all these things were just blocking me like a total block and like it was an awful awful feeling and honestly I think like you and I just we vented to each other for like two hours and then after venting you know we went to bed we cuddled it was super nice and then this morning you know you come to terms with reality like when you think about when you have a fight or a disagreement or a venting session with your partner and there's like a little bit of a hangover the next day from it just like Mm -hmm. you know if you were crying or if you were just sad or if you didn't sleep well it kind of lingers and then so we went from like that kind of venting hangover to this really like intimate conversation we were we were just talking about all the reasons that we loved each other and that we like working together and I am so happy (laughs) that we had that scheduled with Khan today it worked out it worked out so well because for me that was so therapeutic and it was like oh it it totally felt like a therapy session it's one of the only times my mind felt clear like afterwards I was like (laughs) like everything just felt very clear in my mind I haven't felt that way in years. Well, you know, I was really excited to podcast tonight. So the babies went to bed pretty easy. And then I was feeling so good after that interview that we did, you know, after feeling like shit for the 24 hours prior. And I was just so excited to sit down on the couch with you tonight and like podcast and have fun and talk about things, talk about this and just, you know, move on in a positive in a positive space and i just i feel very energized i guess oh i had a i had a nice time too but uh it's know, gone uh, no but i'm you still stop being in love with me no you always go so so extreme <laughs> no i mean i mean that fresh love from the but interview. i want you to know alex and i think you have a feeling like we're going to get a divorce or something or that's a huge fear for you it's a huge fear for me yeah, yeah i know that and i want growing you up, to and I, I just I, I also want to say that like growing up I was always so fearful, irrationally, that my parents were going to get a divorce. And I remember any time that they would 
have a disagreement or an argument I'd start crying and like as like a 16 year old start crying and be like oh my god I can't believe you guys are gonna get a divorce and they'd look at me like dumbfounded like Alex what are you talking about like we're just discussing things it was it's so hard for my brain to comprehend conflict which is a bad quality I know and it's hard to talk to you even about serious stuff and you nitpick my tone and if I'm talking angry you don't like that and if I'm talking calm you don't like that you don't like anything that's not my regular happy voice it's true yeah I know I know but I want you to know seriously we're never gonna get a divorce I promise you I assure you and I know it's hard for you to think of that because you're not me and you don't know my intentions or anything so you think oh he's just one day gonna like get fed up and walk out and leave I'm telling you that's never going to happen okay so I know you always have this fear and it puts you in a dark place and it makes you think things but it's not gonna happen like I promise you okay so get that part out because I think that is causing a lot of stuff for you and it's manifesting itself in irrational behaviors. Do you think? No, I think that's an irrational fear that I have for sure. And I think, like, I don't know how much I want to unpack it, but like, you know, looking back at past relationships that I've had, for me, anytime things got tough, honestly, I just up and leave because I knew I wasn't going to get married to them. So I just, that's when I break up with them, like the next day and it would hit them like a bus because they weren't expecting it. They thought we were just having a disagreement and I would just break up with them. Because I was like, yeah, I don't want to deal with it. But we're not children anymore. Either. Your brain doesn't develop till you're like 25. Like the, the, these mm -hmm. are, that's why you have your 20s and your early phase. I'm just saying now we are married. Yeah, we have two no, children. I know, I know. And here's the thing, I, I, I don't think that either. And I know that we won't, like I, I know that. And like I know how much you love me and I know how good we are. But it's, I, I don't know what it is. Like I don't know what it is when there's conflict in any way like like not even like actual conflict you know just like last night when we were venting and I don't know what it is that puts that fear into my head and I was trying to explain it to you earlier today I think or yesterday where it's like when I was a teenager and I was so irrationally scared of getting anorexia like it's like when I was 11 years old and heard it was a thing from then on all through my teenage years I was like oh gotta make sure I'm eating I don't want to get anorexic and like just terrified that my mind was just gonna turn on me one day and make me think that you know I, I couldn't eat anymore I have these weird fears like that and I don't know where they come from I don't know why but yeah no and I I, I appreciate you sitting down telling me that like I don't need to hear it but I well I figure if it I was kind of recorded then you'd be like, oh, well, he's going to look real dumb if he gets a divorce and it's recorded. So I'm just trying to say it on a recorded tape so you believe it. No, I, I appreciate it. And as much as I shouldn't need to hear it, I I think I benefit from it. Yeah. Okay. So do we go to our interview <laughs> with Justin? Let's go to our interview with Justin. Let's get some laughs going. Well, we had a laugh, I think. We laughed. You, you we did. laughed. We cried. Yeah, and uh, Justin is uh, open and honest about his conflicts, and I think it's what made us open up here, because I'm in open and honest mode after editing the Justin interview, which I hope you enjoy. But first, Alex, tell us who we are supported by. 
We are supported by Hiccupop. Hiccupop makes innovative products from pregnancy to toddlerhood. The designers, engineers, and computer geeks behind Hiccupop aren't just manufacturers, but they're parents too. And they're dedicated to creating cutting-edge products that are met with the highest safety and quality standards. What do you think your favorite Hiccupop product is? There's quite a few good ones. There's amazing ones, and they're also highly rated on Amazon. We are always on the go, and that's what I love about the Hiccupop products. They are so good for families on the go. So I think... I like their inflatable toddler bed. Super handy, fits in luggage, you can pack it so easily. I really believe in having the warm wipes, the diaper wipe warmer, that's oh, what I say. It's, it's a game changer to keep babies from waking up too much at nighttime. And I find I appreciate it more on the second baby than I did the first. Cause I think with Lou, we kind of got lazy with it the first round. And we thought, ah, oh, maybe it's not necessary. You really realize how necessary it is on the second. No, I, I totally agree. And if you're a family like us who's always on the go or respects the diaper warmer, they also have pack and play mattresses, inflatable toddler beds, collapsible baby booster seats with trays, and an inflatable car booster seat. They're luxuries that you just can't travel without, and they're all top sellers, like I said, on Amazon. And I know we say this all the time, but we only go after the best companies. Hiccupop did not approach us. We approached them. It's true, and their product are ethically produced as Hiccupop takes pride in working closely with nonprofits that serve the disadvantaged in our communities. So check out Hiccupop on either Amazon.com or Hiccupop.com and use the promo code FAMILYTREE20 for 20% off limit of one use per customer. And only available in the U.S. But we are also supported by Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a Toronto brand that makes premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids' and babies' clothing. They use GOTS certified organic cotton and low-impact and non-toxic dyes. And today I was looking at Lucy wearing her striped shirt, and I was legitimately jealous. It is a sweet (laughs) design, and it's the simple stuff that looks the best. It is, and it photographs the best. They make the best basics for your littles and timeless wardrobe staples that can be passed from child to child, regardless of gender. I'll slap a dress on a boy. Why I not? have two girls, I guess I don't have to, but continue. <laughs> but Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity, and they're on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it. You can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. Use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15 at checkout for 15% off, and that is M-I-N-I-M-I-O-C-H-E. And enjoy that because I know you truly will. And I know you will truly enjoy this episode with Justin Pizzuto. So let's get to that right now. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, Justin. How are you? Oh, good. Yeah, we're so uh, happy to finally get you. We were (laughs) beginning to think it just wasn't going to happen. So we're very relieved and happy that you're here. I'm so sorry, you guys. I was so excited when you originally reached out and it was just... I, I don't even know. I couldn't make it happen if I wanted to. Things are just getting too crazy. And anyways, I have really bad excuses. It's really no, you're you're living the dream, so it's all okay. Well, I think, too, <laughs> summertime after this huge COVID stretch, it's really hard to get people to sit down for an hour because you want to enjoy the outdoors and what little we have of summer in Canada. Oh, well, and I'm trying to work. I uh, Nobody really knows this publicly, and if it comes out on the podcast, it's totally cool, but... I actually took a bit of a sabbatical from my uh, my like day job uh, so I could really focus in on this like social media blogging style of world thing. So the last month and a half, I've been trying to recreate my schedule based on what I want to be doing with my new style of business and the kids, the family and the whole traveling component. So uh, it just 
finally got the schedule figured out. It took a while, but uh, we're here. We're good. And uh, this is awesome. Yeah. yeah. We're so happy to have you. And <laughs> you mentioned, okay, what is your day job? Because we weren't sure if you had one or not. We're like, is he a full-time influencer now? What? What do you do? Uh, well, my day job was and still is. It's a family. It's part of a family business. But I work for a family development company, and I my roles changed over the years. But it's gone from you know development coordinator to project manager to a few different things. But I guess to sum it up is I work in commercial development. We build uh, condominium buildings. So are you trying to get out of that and go into social media stuff full time? Yeah, I wouldn't say get out of it. It's definitely something I always wanted to do. I went to every all through school and growing up, I was always like, I want to be a developer. I want to be a developer. I want to work with my dad. It'll be so fun. It. I've just had this opportunity through being with Jill and the family and things we've done to pursue this this amazing opportunity. So it's kind of like I've always been tossing and turning with the fact like, should I take this opportunity and just go and run with it? But I didn't want to leave the family business, didn't want to leave the day job. It was a bit of a toss up. And I just finally sat down with my dad in let's see, that was July. And I was like, let's let's do this. How would this look? What would this look like? And uh, I don't want to in five or 10 or 15 years from now, look back on this and go, I never took that opportunity. Yeah. I never took that chance to just go for it and see how this like influencer life would be. It's a, it's, I think an opportunity that anybody would want to take. And mm -hmm. I just said, that's it. Rip the bandaid off, trying to sink, sink my teeth into it as full and deep as I possibly can. Was the lure of the family business, the money, or were you passionate about it? Uh, it's the pa It was definitely the passion. Like I can only go to my dad, aka my boss, for a race so many times before <laughs> uh, he tells me to leap, beat it. But no, I'm just kidding. No, the money. To be honest, the money isn't that like awesome. At least not for what my position was. I got to mm -hmm. work my way up the ladder like everybody else. So uh, I was about four years in with the family business and, um, you know, slowly starting to climb up there, but it was really the passion and being committed to the overall family business. My brother worked for the company for some time as well. It always had kind of been summer job, go work in dad's office, or, you know, if you have some extra time, go help out dad or go kind of mm -hmm. work in the family business. So it was always destined to be to some degree. Cause your home, I noticed you have one of the most beautiful homes oh I've God. ever seen in the property and everything. So I'm always thinking, did Justin come from money? Did he recently acquire all this home? Is it recently that you were able to afford that such an amazing place or have you always been doing quite well for yourself? Uh, it's, I know, I don't think it's always been this way. I think over the last three or four years, uh, working with Jill, like Jill and I working together has definitely amplified, um, you know, our, our financial background. Mm -hmm we I, it's not like we come from extreme wealth our parents do our, our parents do well they've always been smart with their money they've always worked very hard and they've taught me and my brother and then therefore jill and her parents have taught us to to handle our money well and to look to spend within our means and mm -hmm. if it's not in the bank account then you probably shouldn't be buying it so yeah i think and, and coupled with partnerships that we've been able to do that have helped us like I'm sitting in this man cave I call it that was totally not on the table but because of a few epic partnerships I was able to put some of my money into this and with some of the sponsored stuff that came with it like the golf sim and some of the cabinetry I was able to create this ultimate man cave bubble that 
I no, I wouldn't have ever have gone out and expense myself. It would have been too expensive. I couldn't yeah. afford it, as you would say. So definitely, I think money sense, being smart, you know, having good jobs, and then just working hard and working with the opportunities mm-hmm. around you has really granted us, I think, the position that we're in. So for us, I'm always curious how couples do things. So for us, we put our money in one very small pile together. <laughs> And then some some of my <laughs> some of my friends, they will do a thing where they have a certain segmented amount of money for them. And then there'll be a, another segment that they both filter money into. What do you do and what do you think is the best method? Well, I'll tell you one thing. If there was like a pile for Jill, it would be gone every day. <laughs> like it would be out the window. So uh, no, what's worked really well for us. And, and I think every couple, like every new couple goes through this like growing pain and nobody talks about it. And I think it literally adds a lot of stress to like new relationships. Mm-hmm. And as you grow with your partner, you get to this like three, four, five year range where you guys have moved in together. Somebody's somebody either owns the place or the condo or the apartment or the house or you know you're renting but there's always this awkward conversation as to like who pay like what's fair who pays for this or i'm picking up the groceries or i'm doing you know like they always have these little things what worked well for us is we created this like family account we call them so we would figure out based on what we were both making what would be fair what would be what, not necessarily what's fair but what we could afford to put into this family account we'd add up all of our family expenses our mortgage our utilities our family dinners and we basically put it all into the big pile and we go okay like how much can you afford to put in here per month how much can you afford to put in here per month and and we started with this family account and all of our expenses would come out of this one account so we could control the budget kind of and we'd have these set amounts and as time continues you can adjust these numbers you can put more in if you need mm-hmm. it pour more out if somebody's uh changed job directions or whatever the case is and then at some point that eventually just starts to grow into your your you know your your family finances mm-hmm. if you if that's how some people mm-hmm. want to do it yeah, so that's a conversation. It's a tough conversation to have, some, and sometimes a, it's probably an annoying conversation. People yeah. procrastinate on it. Another one is when you're dealing with large sums of money. Like if I came up to Alex before we got married and brought up the idea of a prenuptial agreement, she'd probably laugh her ass off just because the money's not there. But I mean, when there is such huge amounts of uh, money and partnerships, like you say, and everyone has different partnerships, is it dumb not to have the prenuptial conversation? Or for you, is that not something in the cards? Uh, no, we, we, we went through that conversation. This is before kids and, and it almost, it almost killed our relationship. Like it, it literally almost drove us apart because our parents got involved on both oh. ends. Wow. So it, it literally got real sensitive because yeah, there was like this prenup had to be signed. And then we're like, well, you know, like let's everybody just hold on a sec. Like, let's look at all sides of the picture. Let's open up the folders. Let's take a look at everything and everybody calm down. Like it's not, mm-hmm. It, it, it does get awkward and it is a hard conversation to have. And I, I think when you're dealing like any, any amount of money is large to whoever you're talking to, it yeah. could be a hundred dollars or it could be a hundred million dollars. I think whatever, I guess my advice to this would be whatever you feel comfortable with is what you guys should honestly do. Whatever you think is going to remove that tension out of your relationship. Mm-hmm. That's the key. These prenuptial agreements or these budget bank accounts or these, like co-share family accounts or whatever you want to call it. This is they're they're there to remove the tension so you can sit there and love each other. And if you have kids to focus on your kids or your pet or your, your, your travel, 
ideas, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I don't, I, I, yes, I think in some people's cases, signing a prenup is probably a smart idea because, you know, unless you're really with somebody for a long time, do you really know them? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it, you, you do want to protect that to some element, but at the same time too, like it's, it's, yeah, I, I think as long as you're going to try and do something to remove that tension so you don't have to talk about it daily is really mm-hmm. the key. I mean, I don't know if I'm answering you guys' question. No, you are. Stop, no, but... that was great. Yeah, yeah, no. So, Justin, I want to ask, because you said you were working with your dad and then you had to sit down with him and talk about leaving and getting into this, like, influencer work. Did he get it because of what you do with Jill or was it just over his head? Because if I had told that to my parents, like, two years ago, they would have been like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, that doesn't make any sense. My dad's not on Instagram. No. There <laughs> yeah, there you go. Neither is mine. Yeah. So if I told my dad I wanted to be an influencer, he might tell me to get a real job. <laughs> you know, wh- what's the reaction when you go through that process? Especially it's a family business. Yeah, it's it's so funny you guys ask. It, my mom's on Instagram and she's totally up to speed. So she gets it. Like, she's fully into it and she's uh, she loves every second of it. And, and she it's a way to keep up with the family. My dad, however, not on Instagram at all. I, I don't even think he like he was asking me the other day actually he's like should i get instagram too and i'm like i just can't see my dad sitting in a chair or sitting on the airplane or sitting somewhere scrolling instagram like it's just like you know don't you've already made it this far don't even bother but uh no he my dad's always been so supportive i i've absolutely loved my dad through my entire life he's been at every soccer practice rugby game whatever you name it he's there both parents he had no clue what instagram is and he for the sake of being my dad would just be like oh yeah okay yeah, looks like you guys are busy you know like but thinking yeah this is <laughs> what the hell are these guys doing with their time what a waste like i think once he then got the background look from a few different events we've done or photo shoots i think it really started to set in that there's a lot more that happens behind the scenes than what he would just see from my mom showing him you know look what john justin did today or whatever the case so i think in the just in the last like six months he's really started to come on to figuring out what instagram and being an influencer is all about but yeah six months prior to that it was kind of like go get it yeah stay here stay here work the family business but uh, no, it's been supportive the entire time. So what is the coolest thing that you've kind of gotten out of it so far? Because I know you've got the man cave. The Justin show is happening. I don't know if you got your sweet lawnmowers from partnerships, but you guys also just got back from a beautiful retreat in the middle of nowhere and it looked gorgeous. So what, what do you think has been the biggest perk so far? Uh, I think the biggest perk has been the, like, honest to God, the opportunity to work from home, mm-hmm. do cool photo shits, photo shoots, <laughs> um, travel the world and like be able to have this job that's basically your life, but behind camera. Like it's kind of, I think that's really the cool thing. Like as far as perks go, like, yeah, the golf sim was probably like the most ridiculous thing ever this yeah, trip cool. was pretty cool like it's it's all everything little to small like it's or sorry little to big it's all really cool and i think it just really boils down to having this opportunity in general is just probably the raddest part mm-hmm. and do you think you would have naturally fallen into this world if it weren't for jill uh probably not right like if i i was i in fact i had instagram before jill and i was the whole reason jill got instagram and i don't think that story ever actually Ooh. makes it oh anywhere. wow 
Jill only used Instagram way back when we first started meeting or dating. Jill had Instagram, but she would only use it to edit photos. That was it. So I was like, you need Instagram. Like, you're a famous person. Like, why don't you have Instagram? Like, this was eight, nine years ago now. I had Instagram. I loved it. I had, like, 400 followers, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, then sure enough, Jill gets an Instagram, and then, boom, her account just starts to take off as expected. Definitely wasn't a source of, like, it wasn't a business. Like, her blog, her website was Mm -hmm. the business back then. But back to me, I, no, I don't think so. I think it would have just remained like a fun account. I think I was a pro snowboarder at the time. So perhaps that might have added to my following. But um, no, I I don't think this would have been the way it is or where I'm sitting today if it wasn't for being with Jill. It's, it's to- totally nuts. When you first met Jill, did you know who she was? Or was did you find out because maybe there was you were at a bar and there was like a hubbub like, oh, that's Jillian Harris from that show. Like, was it that type of vibe? No, it uh, was quite the opposite. We were in this VIP line um, at Roses, and this is like an—it's an—it was like a waterfront pub here in Kelowna. Just recently shut down in the last year, but uh, it was the spot to go for for us young kids. Um, <laughs> I just flown back in to go to uh, one of my good buddy's sister's birthday parties, and the lineup's usually pretty big out the front door. But if you pay $20, you can go to this VIP line out the back and they let you in the patio. So you get to beat the line for 20 bucks. It's not even that special. You, you're paying to get in. <laughs> I was already late. So I felt like it was a good investment to get in and get back join the party. I'm sitting there waiting in line. And I just flown in from Calgary. I was at my buddy's uh, engagement party. So I was all dressed. I was dressed up quite nice. A little bit more than I typically would be for going to Roses. I'm probably wearing something similar now, a hat and a t-shirt. But I was in this blazer, a nice collared shirt. I was just, I was, I was dressed up pretty good. Did you feel like you looked hot? Yeah, yeah. of course. You felt confident. You're like, this is going to be a good night. Mm. Wasn't sure how or why. You just felt like well, you felt hot. Yeah. Yes. Sitting in there waiting in line and these three girls cut to the front of the line. And I'm like thinking in my head, who the hell, like, <laughs> who the hell does this? Like, we're in the like pay to get in line. Like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> like cutting to the front of the line? Like, go to the back of the line and pay and wait your $20, whatever. One of the girls in the group happened to know this uh, girl's birthday. Her name is Michelle. We were there for her birthday. And Michelle was talking to me and we kind of intermingled and there was three, this little group there. So we kind of met. Uh, that's where I initially met Jill. She was one of the three girls that was in this group. I didn't know who she was at the time. And our night goes on and we're all in the bar and I end up running into Jill towards the end of the night. We just start chatting. Everything was great. She said she was off to Vancouver the next day because she worked in the TV film world and i said oh okay cool and like i never really dove into it and i was thinking in my head i'm like oh she like maybe like a like a backstage helper kind of like running behind (laughs) the curtain plugging in different things like i I don't know i'd never had any like i had never had any experience the tv or film world so like i'm just going based off what you watch on the movies i'm thinking like a set helper running around like here's your coffee and like here here i'm like okay cool like yeah you're (laughs) in the tv so much good for you (laughs) then like a few days after that one of my friends had mentioned that oh that old bachelorette girl jillian harris was at the bar the other night and i'm like i wonder if that's the tv girl that i was thinking of so then i obviously actually googled her to see what was going on and sure enough it was it was joe we had our next date we had our first like official date like three or four days after that and that's when she told me who she was and the show she had come off of and all this other stuff and i was kind of like 
uh, I'm 20. How old was I? I was 23 or 24 at the time. Jill was a little older than I was. And all I was thinking, like, well, this was a lot more than I signed on for. I was just kind of <laughs> hoping for a good night kind of deal. And, uh, end up meeting this other this this chick who came from this huge you know famous background it was yeah totally i didn't know who she was found out who she was after i'd met her and um yeah it's, it's literally been a wild ride ever since so did finding out who she was and what she did endear her more to you or did it make you more nervous and did you ever go back and watch her show never i've never gone back to watch her show but i think i i did watch her show like i think indirectly my mom was watching the bachelor when i used mm. to live in calgary back in the day like when jill was on the show i was in high school like i was like mm-hmm. 16. so and that's when the bachelor bachelor at world was coming out so i think i watched a couple of her episodes but i've never gone back to watch it when i found out she was who she was like there's i, I didn't really know what to think i and i was a pro snowboarder at the time too so i thought i was pretty cool like <laughs> not in compared to like the big celebrity world of things because mm. you know that's how you are you're naive when you're young or whatever but i was a pro snowboarder, so i thought i was pretty cool and i was like whatever like cool like mm. you're a famous girl from a tv show and i'm a pro snowboarder like yeah. what up like this is a good fit but then i still remember this like vividly when my dad found out i uh, was dating this girl she was she was jill was 32 and i was 24 and i was just kind of in my career with snowboarding and my dad goes be careful she's an older lady she knows what she wants <laughs> i'm like yeah, yeah 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 no yeah i got it dad i got it and sure enough five four years four or five years later than that we're we're pregnant with leo and i'm becoming a dad at the age of 28 and uh we got a dog we got the house the whole thing so I don't know. Was I blindsided to the whole extent? Maybe a little bit. Did everything work out perfectly? Yes. Um, has it been hilarious? Absolutely. Has it? Yeah, it's been it's I never imagined my life to be where it is at, you know, where like at 30. I thought I would maybe be having my first kid at the age of 32. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, not where I'm at right now. So that's it basically in a nutshell. Who, who do you think was more smitten early on? That's easy. Jill. <laughs> Jill was all googly eyed. Like I was like, she was so 32. She'd been looking for her like guy. She went on a TV show to find the guy and yeah. that didn't work out. And her track record of men to say the least was quite rough. So I'm like, I think I was just like breath of fresh air. I was this young guy. I didn't really know what I wanted. I was a snowboarder. I lived in Whistler. I was in really good shape. I had to get, I had to get strong muscles. You wore your hot clothes that night. yeah like i think she was interested in this but also nervous at the same time because i was a little younger and Mm -hmm. she was you know starting her full career she knew where she wanted to go but yeah definitely i definitely jill at the start and i i will argue with her until we're blue in the face but yeah definitely jill and then uh you know shortly through that i think we both kind of like i just the 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 magic just hit right away like within the first like three months we're basically Mm -hmm. like yeah this could be this could be us for the rest of our life. Three months is usually when I start hating them. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. You hate me at three months? No, that's why I say usually. Oh. I, ma- I married you. <laughs> but usually because it's like the first flush is when you have that yeah. uh, limerous or whatever it's mm-hmm. called. And then I'm just blinded. And then after three months, I settle down and I'm like, oh, it's not what I thought. <laughs> Sorry, next. No, that's right. So, because I want to know, have you <laughs> <laughs> have you gone for 
older women before and what is it about jill like is she a young spirit are you an old soul is she just too hot that it doesn't matter that first night i was like she this like jill is hot and i didn't know like how old she was but i knew she was older than the like regular realm of girls that i've been hanging Mm. out with and there was something about that that was like yeah like this could be the oldest girl i've been with quote unquote but like (laughs) Not in a bad way. Like mm-hmm. there was it's something a notch on the belt. And she, yeah. What? <laughs> I, oh, I was just saying it's a notch on the belt. Sometimes they say that when you like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if I should say that, but yeah, I was like, <laughs> that could be my old notch. Right. Like yeah. Joe, Joe ended up being on me because like where I'm at. So yeah, I think it was a combination of, of she was absolutely stunning that first night. Mm-hmm. She still is. She's absolutely gorgeous. But I think it's, I think I am a bit of an old soul. Um, I demonstrate that with my like OCD of organizing stuff, I think, but I think it's a combo. I think I'm a mix of an old soul. Jill's definitely a young hearted, um, you know, free spirit to some extent. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just such an even balance that really distracts us from the the actual ages or these numbers that we both have and, and really brought us together based on, on what we enjoyed doing and how well we got along together and our family values i think is is really the other kind of anchor Mm. to how we became more uh concrete a lot of people whether they have family values or not in their 20s especially men i find it's their party years like you could be the most responsible man in the world but in your 20s you kind of really let loose and uh go crazy partying did you find your party years were cut a lot shorter and do you have any anger or resentment towards that yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I, if there was one, like, no, it's not a big regret, but yeah, definitely one small regret is, yeah, I was 24 years old. I was a pro snowboarder living in Whistler, traveling the world, and I had had a pretty good taste of that, a good run up until that point. But yeah, I was just about to enter, like, the next three to four or five years of, like, the craziest, awesomest time of your life in some way or another. So yeah, I is there a little regret that I dove into this little head first too quick? little bit but everything the way it's panned out uh yeah I, i'm not angry about it um i don't know how you would uh it's made like i look at my friends right now and i think it's crossed over most of my buddies are in their 30s and they're not married yet and they don't have kids a lot of them have long-term girlfriends and a lot of them are starting to think about kids you know but nothing actually as of yet there's a couple like i've got maybe one or two friends that have had a kid by now but i'm really the first one that's kind of entered this category and i'm excited now because i'm like i i'm happy i ended up having the situation evolve the way it did because i probably would still be partying hard at the age of 30 31 32 and and it's not like having kids later in life is a bad thing but i'm just happy and excited that when i'm in my 40s leo and annie are going to be like in their 20s and we're going to be like close enough in age that hopefully i'll get to experience like it's just a shift in your paradigm like the paradigm shift is really what it is it's like yeah is there regret back in that day and in that mindset absolutely i was like whoa i'm not ready for this i still want to party and experience the world so on and so forth but then it's like you fast forward you have your first kid you get to a house you get the dogs you do the whole thing and you're like wow I'm really happy it went the way it did, totally against my will and my wishes. But I'm now that I'm here, I'm like, and it was inevitable. We're always going to be in that next step with kids, unless you don't have kids, which is totally cool. But 
when you do, you're always entering into that new world. And I think once I got there, I was like, wow, I'm so happy I had kids at the age that I did, or I started to have kids at the age that I did. So I can just really try to enjoy it. My dad was 28 when he had me, so it's kind of worked out. And him and I are really close. My brother and I are really close. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy, but yes, yeah, small regret with some of the party stuff. But uh, now that I'm here, I, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Now that you are there, the place that you're at, Jill seemed to imply that she's actually able to let loose and does let loose more than you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's like, uh, well, how old are you? I'm 37. I'm 31. And was there ever a time with you guys? Like, it's like, I couldn't party past like 10, 8, 10 p.m. if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know. It was like, I got sleep. Like, you just get sleepy and over it. And yeah, Jill would literally be like rolling up her sleeves to like want to keep going and party more. So yeah, I think at some like at some weird point it was like it's like a total switch, but mm. now it's kind of evening out a little bit. And it depends on if we have kids in the morning, the yeah. next morning. Yeah. If there's no kids, that usually makes the night a little bit longer oh, and yeah. a little bit less stressful because yeah, as you guys know, you don't have to wake up to kids and be responsible. My friend's term was sex energy. And when you're single and you're out partying, there is that sex energy as if you could potentially meet a Jill or the next love of your life. And that energy or adrenaline can push a a person who might go to bed at 10 p.m. till three in the morning because they're just the, the possibilities kind of push you. But after you have the wife and the kids, it's like, all I see the next day is a hangover and potentially regretting having the, those extra three or four drinks. Mm-hmm. I completely, sex energy is probably the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely best way to put it. And if you want to refer to Jill as sex energy, I'd say, well, I don't know if that actually exists in her world. So uh, 8 p.m., 9 p.m. <laughs> bedtimes are looking really good these days. <laughs> okay, that brings me to a point. How much, we talked to Jill a little bit about this, but how much sex not enough should you have not enough see she implied that you were the one that was kind of you know all over and i'd say in our relationship that's me whereas shane is a little more like jill and maybe it's because they are you know both pushing 40 i'm not sure but (laughs) how much how much sex in a week do you think is what is is normal is Is good acceptable it's good well, I think, okay, so in my world, if I got, if it a picture perfect world, and like, I'll, I'll be reasonable about this. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I think I could, I could probably have sex every day. Mm-hmm. I think realistically speaking, especially with kids and, and two full-time jobs, like you guys know what it's like. Mm-hmm. It's busy and people do get tired. I get that. I think, I think three times a week minimum is like what normal couples, like what couples should be doing every week. I think three times a week, three, right. maybe four. If I'm being reasonable and honest, I think three or four. Jill, I think she's like, I don't know where we got our wires crossed in this one. I think she thinks three or four times a year is enough, but I think it's, <laughs> it's definitely three, three, three to four times a week is good. But I don't know, is that too much? Like, am I am I on the high scale of things here? Or? For Alex, no. I, I think Alex really likes that. <laughs> and what it is, is Alex, I think equates like being in love and having sex where for me it's more like just a getting off type of feeling and in the early phase of the relationship i really want to have a lot of sex because i need to be validated by that sex because it makes me really feel that she 
she likes me a lot and when i'm trying to woo her i'm like okay we had we had sex like three times that time she must really like me and and that's that's what i kind of get off on like no pun intended but once i'm comfortable (laughs) once i'm comfortable i'm like ah I've, i've got the hooks in there and really i just I, I just feel the love without needing it. And sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, it's so much work to uh, have both parties feel satisfied. I'll put it that way. That it's like, hey, I could just take care of this in two seconds myself and feel the love and get a, a, a better night. Feel the love from your hand. <laughs> I agree. But do you think yeah. Jill feels the way I do? Like in the beginning of the relationship, it's just like two bunnies constantly going at it? Oh, yeah. No, and it was. Like it was, I was uh, to a point where I was like, I don't know if I can keep up with this girl. Like she would fall asleep with my unit in her hand. Like she would like, <laughs> like cuddle with it in her hand. And I'm like... I'm like, I love this, but like, I was even like, holy, can I even keep up with this? Like, yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, so now, yeah, now I think it's like she she will do it because she knows like I just I need touch though. Like I'm a really touchy kind of guy, and I just love I just love 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 Jill's naked body, but. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like for me, I think she does it specifically because she knows that I just need that. Like it's a yeah. touch thing for me. The cuddle part. Yeah. When you're first dating and that romance fire is just like extreme, the cuddle, like cozy sex parts, definitely validating, you know, and I do think that's important now, uh, you know, in a relationship because you do still want that sense of like mega connection that mm. you're not going to get from anybody else. Exactly. If that's your yeah. lover. So I do think you need that. But yeah, then there's just the like getting off part of sex that like every dude I think needs and chick needs too. Like you just want to get off and you get horny and you just want to smoke one out and (laughs) let it roll. So um, the convincing part I'm getting better at, but um, yeah. (laughs) Does it hurt your feelings when it's just a perfunctory thing and, and she's not into it? Or is it just like, hey, this is what I need and I've reconciled that? No, I can't reconcile. It's like heartbreaking. It's like I've lost a limb. <laughs> it is it is like, no, this this hurts. Like and she's like, You can't get mad if I don't want to have sex with you. And I'm like, Well, I I can get mad if you never want to have sex with me. It's like, what are we talking about here? But no, I think you get you do get over it. Like I'm being a little sarcastic, but yeah, I think yeah. you kinda get bummed out. Like it's you're with your lover. You think mm-hmm. you always just want to get ugly or sorry, you want to get <laughs> naked and bump ugly is whatever yeah. I'm saying is, but, uh, no, I guess that's, I'm, I'm learning that that's not always quite the case once you have two kids. So. And does that make you lose your swagger or feel less sexy? You often hear it the reverse way where the woman's feeling unattractive or unwanted, mm-hmm. but does that make you feel unsexy? No, I, I, well, okay. I think, that's a good question. It is a good question because it that opens up like potentially whole other side of, of things. But I think, yeah, I think there's definitely like your, your own self-confidence, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, you want your lover to want you. Mm-hmm. Like there's no question about that. And if your lover's not wanting you every day or at least three times a week, yeah, it's going to start to play a role on somebody mm-hmm. at some point. You know, it could be a year, it could be six months, and you have to you have to understand your surrounding too with your partner. But at the same time, yeah, you definitely want your lover to want you, not just to cut the grass, take out the garbage, mm-hmm. but to, to strip down and, and give her the raw, you know, the raw body type that you guys did at the beginning of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. And for me, it's so tied to happiness and continued validation because – 
for me, I, I look at beginning of relationships and it's like, oh, it's easy to be attracted to each other. You're just getting to know each other. But it's like, I want that validation four years in after two kids when, you know, I'm not feeling as hot as I used to. I want that. And it's definitely, it's mm -hmm. definitely tied to that. And one thing that you and Jill do that Shane and I don't do, you guys go to counseling and Jill was telling us you use your, your parents' counselors. So is that kind of weird using the same ones as your parents or? Uh, no, I think it was like, well, back to your comment. I think women are definitely different in this regard. Like, and I, and I want to touch on that just for a second because I think it is really important and I have no idea what it's like to, to birth children, but from experiencing that now as a young dad, it is something that I honestly don't think the world gives women enough credit for like, mm -hmm. it is something crazy. And yeah, I think like you guys are going to go through so much stuff from having a baby and, and coming out of it. It's just, I mean, if, if I'm thinking about this, like if Jill, she wants it, you're like, I'm wait, I'm ready for you. I'm here for you whenever you need it. So back to the counseling thing. Yeah. I think my parents uh, and I actually went to this guy um, for many years, just as my own relationship with my dad mm -hmm. and my parents and everything else. And I think it was kind of a bonus that we used the same guy because we were able to vet him for like 10, yeah. 15 years. You know, it was like no, no cutting the bullshit. Like, look, we know this guy works. Uh, his his systems are, are proven. They're they're tried, true and tested or whatever. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it was like, let's try it. It might not always work, but uh, yeah, we definitely have done that well when, when our relationship was really, when we didn't know how to fix the points that we were in, we definitely went to counseling, to mm -hmm. relationship coach, if you want to call it that, because we don't know everything as humans. And you're taking two different people that have grown up their whole life doing their own thing and then you stick them together in one house and then you add like a couple more little kids and dogs and this whole other thing. Like, no, we're not like born designed to like figure it all out. Yeah. So reaching out for help, I think is totally cool. And it's really helped Jill and I, like we've over the last eight years, we've, we've reached out to, uh, to his name, Sig, uh, out of Calgary and he's been a huge help and he gives us the specific tool. So when we find ourselves in these troubled times or these argumentative moods that we tend to get in or, you know, whatever the case is, we can go to this tool belt and, and go, okay, like, this is what we learned. Let's try this. Does it actually work? And mm -hmm. yeah, we're not perfect that don't get me wrong. We're not perfect. Like shit hits the fan stuff flies off the rails and we're like let's try it and it's like fuck that we're not trying that like whatever and you know it, it's never perfect but it's a common ground to come back yeah. on mm -hmm. which i think is really what's kind of helped us in our relationship do you only go there when the shit hits the fan or is it one of those ever present things in your life yeah you're supposed to go to these things like when things are awesome so it's like okay well what's working really well like what are you guys doing Mm -hmm. uh, that's making it. So let's capture that and let's just and keep improving that. But no, we're like the rest of the world. We're, you know, we're, we're, let's fix it once it's broken kind of deal. Let's mm -hmm. not be uh, proactive and trying to avoid it. Let's, uh, yeah, we usually go when we're in a bit of a funk. We were into a good routine where we touch base with, uh, with him every like three or four months, no matter what. And I would encourage that generally but no we're more of a like when we start to see the slip or the snowball to whatever kind of discomfort we're having is usually what sparks us to reach out and, and work towards fixing what's 
at hand. Mm -hmm. So I want to know, because you seem so calm, cool, collected now and in any of the Justin (laughs) Show videos, any of Jill's or yours Instagram stories. And Jill recently threw out her engagement ring. You guys have been engaged for a while, 2016, yeah. right? By accident. Yeah. yeah, she threw it out by accident, mm-hmm. not not in a fight. And you, inst- maybe you got mad, but instead of making a public deal about it and getting mad publicly, you reproposed in a really crazy way. So you had <laughs> like a bachelor set up, right? Yeah. Yeah, so how were you able to like keep your cool through that and have such a like a grandiose, you know, reproposal? Yeah, it's uh that has been probably the biggest roller coaster. When she originally like it was the start of COVID where uh and like everything, like she had that like our mailman was signing for stuff that he shouldn't have been signing for, like all these like connections that were just like leading to this this unfortunate event. Yeah, when I, uh, when I found out she tossed the ring or the ring didn't even get open, it didn't even make it out of the package, to be honest. It was like everything showed up on the deck. We were opening all the packages outside. Then all of a sudden the ring just never showed up. And we're like, where's the ring? And the guys are like, oh, we sent it two weeks ago. Like you signed for it. Da, da, da. Anyways, yeah, I was pissed. Like, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't like angry pissed. Like accidents happen. But I was like, come on, like slow down for like two seconds and like we could save this these issues luckily we had insured the ring on the house so it wasn't necessarily a mega financial Mm -hmm. strain so we're very lucky we had that organized i didn't really know what to do it took probably three or four weeks after the ring was gone to kind of come up with a plan with insurance and figure out how to replace the ring and here's jill so jill loses the ring in, in like whatever jill loses the ring then she goes to me and she kind of says, well, if, if you're going to get a ring, then do you think you could make it a little bit bigger? I'm going, <laughs> okay. Oh, and and don't just give it back to me. Do something cool with it. I'm like, okay, well, wait a second here. You don't get to ch- – first of all, you're the one that lost the ring. Second of all, now what? Now what are you saying? The first ring wasn't good enough? And then the third thing, and they're like, now you want me to like do something cool about it? So <laughs> – yeah, I was like, I was like, okay, not a big deal. And then I think about it and I'd be like, whoa, this is totally like, this sucks. I'm like, well, you basically implied that you didn't like the first ring I gave you. So whatever, like, do, 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 do. And uh, like, it was, my emotions were like this for the last, and it took like, let's see, when do we lose that? March, like six months to get this whole thing figured out. At the point the ring finally showed up and the Justin show had has already started we're about a month or two into this i sat down with the team and i said um you know the ring's here i got the ring i don't want to give it to jill i'd love to surprise her let's come up with an idea so we all sat together on the driveway after like a big shoot day and we're like what can we do and one peak our uh, videographer group was like we've got wednesday off like we could film i'm like i am like oh, we can't make this work in two this is monday night and i'm like we can't make this work like this is the monday before we film that wow. on wednesday night my goodness like Great we were like we team. have to get the realtor involved we're we're like it was we had to do a whole bunch of stuff to get onto this one property get the the, the video figured out i had to get all the like props and stuff sorted out so by the time she lost the ring and I'd gone through my like emotional curve of like, should I hate Jill? Should I still love Jill? Should I actually surprise Jill? Should I whatever do with the ring Jill? Like whole thing. It got to the point where like, yeah, let's make a, sh- let's make a bad thing. A good thing. Let's turn it around. Like is your glass half full or half, em- half empty kind mm-hmm. of deal. And the team came up with the idea. 
and we were able to make this work. I spent my whole like Tuesday, Wednesday, like, running around town trying to pick up this and that to make this work. And uh, sure as sure as hell, we were able to pull this off. Like it was, Jill had no idea. She thought she was going to the gym. It, it literally turned out perfectly, and it was, uh, yeah, it was a crazy 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 procedure and i think you know i'm a big believer in all things happen for a reason and uh i think it was a really fun way to to do the whole reproposal again uh and why not own it you're in the situation you're in do something fun about it look back on this in 10 years and and tell the story you lost mom lost the ring and so dad reproposed and we kind of did a spoof of how mom became famous to begin with and uh you know just another one to add to this timeline of crazy events. So. Yeah. Well, congrats to the, really well. the team on that. That was really well done. And your acting was exceptional oh, was in so that, good. I thought. Overall, it was huge. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. But just in TV itself, yeah. how does that come about? Is that just a COVID project or how, how, what makes you think of that? I'm trying to develop. Uh, originally, it was I'm trying to not branch away from Jillian's kind of world, but just to create kind of my own concept, let people know who I am. I've always, I think like the most Googled question up around my name is like, who is Justin Pesuto? Or like, what does Justin Pesuto do? Like I, and I'm trying to create my own avenue of content that can like showcase my life and what I do indirectly from what Jillian and the family looks like. She paints a very good picture uh, she's always on Instagram stories and she she literally shows you guys everything like there's no magic or trickery like it is mm -hmm. what it is. And I just wanted to give, I think, more of an angle as to like some of the things I do being a dad, being kind of like a DIYer, you know, and I feel like I do some pretty cool stuff and I got some cool things and I want to show that with everybody and 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 Glenn from One Peak. Uh, and I were kind of thinking like, how could we, I don't want to create like a YouTube page cause I'm not, you know, maybe down the road, but it's not really my thing. How could we do something different on Instagram where my main following is? And we were just going to start to do like a little episode of this or that. And then the Justin show, uh, idea came out, like call it the Justin show. And we'll do, you know, an episode or two every couple of weeks and showcase different things that you like to do or whatever. If the Justin show takes off huge and let's say you end up with a bigger Instagram following than Jill, is there going to be conflict there? Oh, no, not at all. But I like, let's be real here. That's going to take a pretty big uh, Justin show to, to get there. But no, I don't think at all. Like Jill, she's so happy and supportive for everything. Like she, it would, there would never be conflict. If it mm -hmm. just would make things even better, it would just yeah. continue to improve the overall uh, like Jolly, Jilly World and, and Justin Pesuto, you know, show and, and whatnot. I think it would just, it would just help the whole picture. Does like you obviously got Jillian started on Instagram in a way, do you ever feel like you created a monster? Like, let's say you're trying, to, <laughs> you're trying to enjoy a picnic. I'm just thinking of a random thing to do. Is it ever like, get off your phone? Like, are, are you on her? Oh yeah. No further yeah, question. No, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, you can elaborate on that. Yeah. No, it was uh, literally, you totally, you hit the nail on the head. Mm -hmm. I was like, what did I do? This is a horrible idea. Like every meal, every meal you guys, it was like, don't touch, don't eat it. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't touch that yet. Don't eat that. I got to take a photo. got to take a photo. got to take a photo. I'm like, this sucks. I'm like the last thing somebody wants to do. Now that you're in it too, are you starting to be like that? I hope not. 
but maybe <laughs> not with the food stuff. Like I'm a little bit more like whatever. Like let's just you know, food's food. But yeah, I think so. Like this this trip we were just on uh, up to Nemo uh, Nemo Bay. Yeah, we wanted to ensure like our content. Like it is our job yeah. to some extent, right? Like it is. Oh, exactly. And, yeah, I think we we all get a little anal in our own ways as to how we'd like things to be kind of sad or don't walk there, put your phone down. Like that, that was the common kind of phrase, like between her, Tori and I, mm-hmm. one of us would always have our phones in our faces as we were filming or mm-hmm. doing something else. So it was kind of like we had to teamwork, kind of yeah. like if someone was panning with their phone, like everybody else put their phone down, the last thing you want to see is everybody on their phone. Mm-hmm. So ironic um, yeah yeah I, I to answer your question I, I i think i'm growing i think it's getting worse to be honest unfortunately <laughs> but we we try to like space out our our items now and and joe's got such an effective team most of the time now it's like you don't even really realize that when like family time's family time now and there's the occasional trip and the cool funny thing like nacho and peach is sleeping on a pillow last night and stuff you're still going to capture and, and put out there but for most of the like photo shoot type stuff happens throughout the day now mm-hmm. with the team and it has been like that for the last couple of years so it's not really a big a, a big freeze point for when you're actually trying to bite into this juicy grilled cheese sandwich or something <laughs> that you just can't wait to and you're starving you haven't had food for four days and jill's gonna make you wait for another 20 minutes <laughs> to take a photo kind of deal so so the rule is basically in your end just like when it's family time phones down for a little bit we try. We really yeah. do try to do that as much as we can because the kids are looking at us like, oh, hey, um, I'm over here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we really try to make an effort. When the work day is done, you know, we try to just be there for the kids and the family. No phones kind of deal. And what what question do you want me to ask here? Alex keeps nudging one. No. Uh, the, the, uh, oh, oh, you want to yeah. play the game? We're okay, yeah, game. yeah, we have a game. Well, yeah, because I, I, I got to go soon because I, oh, I, I, I hear the baby crying. <laughs> So I want to get, I want to do this. Okay, let's uh, play the game. All right. So Justin, we are going to give you a series of scenarios and you have to say who is more likely to do the thing, you or Jill. Okay. Okay. Who is more likely to light up a joint? Oh, Jill. Go for a makeout session in the middle of the day. Me. Get snipped or tie the tubes? Oh, tie the tubes. Tie the, oh, that is good. That is a good question. I, I'm gonna have to say tie the tubes. I don't. I don't. I don't tie the tubes. Tie for time. It go. scares me. It's like I, I don't know. I don't think of the whole. I don't know. I'm. I'm going to. I'm going to. Like I don't have any tattoos. Like no tattoos. And then you snip the nut. Like I, I think I'd have to do the tie. Like definitely tie. It makes sense. Um, temper tantrum. Who's more likely to throw one? I think we we tie. Time? We definitely tie on this one. Hey, Justin, we're just going to take a quick break to let our listeners know that we are supported by... My Breast Friend. My Breast Friend is the number one choice of nursing pillow for millions of parents around the world who nurse their babies. For more than 25 years, My Breast Friend's patented wraparound design has supported people in over 40 countries and has been used in thousands of birthing hospitals to support successful nursing. And just to let you know, breast is spelled B-R-E-S-T. That's true. I want to know why it's spelled that way. Maybe the other That's my breast question. friend was taken. It's possible, but I have to say it is my breast friend because I own one. I've had one since I had Lucy, and it is truly the most supportive nursing pillow. I think I have four, 
and it is the only one that I actually use. My Breast Friend is the pillow of choice for nursing mothers like me and lactation consultants for more than 20 years who credit the pillow for helping them achieve longer and more comfortable feeding cycles than they thought possible. What's inside the pillow? I don't know. It's like, it's like a, a hard, spongy thing? Yeah, it's like it's like a really supportive spongy foam thing. It's got a little pocket for your cell phone or a bottle of water. And it honestly, it just holds the baby in the most comfortable position. It's simply the best, most supportive choice of pillow for supportive breastfeeding. What happens if you don't have a pillow? Well, then your arm hurts a lot. Oh. Yeah, it's really hard and actually you can get a kink in there. I did before. But you can purchase My Breast Friend online at buybuybaby.com, target.com, walmart.com, babylist.com, and amazon.com. Basically everywhere because, again, it is just the best. And this one's number one, right? Oh, it's number one. Huh, we have some good partners, eh? But we, we are also supported by... Hoppe Toys. Hoppe Toys are one of the world's largest producers of toys made from sustainable materials like bamboo. They're designed creatively and are eco-friendly, meeting and exceeding the strictest international standards for quality and safety. And I don't care what gizmos you buy, your kids will always go back to Hoppe Toys. It's true. No, they're the best. Lucy's favorite toy is this little Hoppe piano that we have. And it sounds great. It looks amazing. And it doesn't, it's not like a rangy and jangy and well they're the toys we never throw everything else just ends up in a junk pile after two weeks no no that's totally it we actually take care of this one and it's good hoppe toys are made from bamboo recycled cardboard organic inks and water-based colors so they're a brand you can feel good about they launched we care we share which is a global charity program that helps children in need and they've built three schools to offer kids access to education as hoppe says children don't play to learn they learn because they play well said and we are also supported by Beluga Baby. Beluga Baby's wrap carriers allow you to hold and comfort your baby hands-free with their unique four-way stretch bamboo fabric. And they make dads look very hip and cool and sexy. I would definitely say sexy. A sexy dad is a baby-wearing dad. And they kind of have my aesthetic on their website. like It's like a rock star style dad. <laughs> I like that you're embracing it. Embracing the rock star vibes anyways. <laughs> But studies show that baby wearing can reduce crying by 40%. And since you can use your beluga wrap straight from birth, you'll be giving yourself a way easier and calmer postpartum. The fabric is so light and airy that you don't even feel confined in any way and neither does the baby. And the natural bounce when you walk helps with the baby's gas and colic. Yeah, I want shirts made out of this material. Oh, undies yeah my undies kind of are made of uh, of this material yeah no it's it's genius i want to be like like george costanza and drape myself in this material (laughs) like how he wished to with velvet the four-way stretch bamboo fabric they're certified hip healthy by the international hip dysplasia institute and there's free shipping across canada and the u.s so go to belugababy.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 at checkout for 10 percent off that's thisfamilytree10 and the website is is belugababy.com or .ca. And get that 10% off. But now, let's get back to our interview with Justin Pizzuto. Who's more likely to pull an all-nighter? Uh, me. Be hungover? Me. Get a face me. tattoo? Oh, God, Jill, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly think she would. Like, I think if it was in, if there was a position that, that, put her into that she would uh, there's no way in hell i would do it there's no way. i'd cut off my left arm before well no maybe not that far would you snip your penis before you got a face tat no i definitely face tat (laughs) (laughs) um do a political rant (laughs) 
Jill. Oh, Jill, for sure. I couldn't, I couldn't bear the like backlash and having to talk to people for the next like four days about your opinion. So mm-hmm. Jill definitely tends to be, and she's more of that kind of talker in that sense. So yeah, no, Jill for sure on that one. Leave a floaty in the toilet. <laughs> Jill. Jill. Yeah, well, there's the phone thing. The Jill, like the, the bathroom is the perfect it? time. And you guys know as kid, like with kids, like where do you hide? You have you can't hide anywhere. Yeah. And like now that the kids are getting like the bathroom was like the best place to hide because mm-hmm. your your partner won't bug you because you're doing your business, and the kids can't really find you at all, and mm-hmm. they can't really open the doors. But now that the, the, my kids are getting a little older, I'm getting tar- like it's like a target zone. It's like a, <laughs> dad's going to the bathroom. Everybody rush. Everybody flood the bathroom. So this private little like chamber where you can phone and do like stuff without any interruption for ten minutes is now being blown wide open but to that point jill's distraction level just generally speaking is kind of cash drawer in the wind and i'll elaborate on that at the end but uh yeah i think it's like oh i forgot to flush or whatever and that's just the way it is how how many floaties a year do you think you catch her (laughs) i think at least uh, she okay uh, at least two or three floaties a year that's pretty good that's okay that's Uh, two or three too many (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right uh oh i'll go for f bomb in front of the kids oh yeah i jill would probably say me and i think i'm right about that but then jill also like recently i've been noticing i'm like whoa the f bombs and annie's first like swear word was the f bomb and that was because of jill so i think to put it in stone jill jill okay. uh suggest divorce in an argument me uh yeah do an interview drunk. Oh, I think we've both done one drunk. <laughs> so, but Jill probably, no, nah, yeah, I think Jill, she's, she does way more of them than I do to begin with. And she's like a super trooper. Like, it doesn't matter if it's like 4 a.m. in the morning. Like, whenever there's like an interview or some sort of like event or something she has to be at, she just like pulls out all the stops and she's like this like, like she just rocks rocks it like no dread no nothing like me on the other hand to be like dreading like, I'm like oh my god i can't believe we did this like what are we doing we got an event or a thing or a call and I just be like dreading it but jill just like like it just perks right up and away she goes and I, so i think yeah jill for sure all right who is most likely to go downtown to appease the other person Oh, me, 100% me. I think it appeases myself, too. Like, I, I love the Southern Territories. Um, they're just such, it's such nice weather down there. Um, yeah, definitely me. Wow. Uh, suggest another child. Uh, me, me, t- me, me, maybe. J- We've been throwing that back and forth here, you guys, for the last, yeah. like, six months. Like, we both kind of want one, but we both kind of don't. But we're both not really doing anything to avoid it. So... Mm. It happens. It happens. Yeah, I don't know. It does. I think we're kind of leaving it at that. But uh, yeah, I think that's definitely. I think a tie. Like we're both kind of wanting more kids, but we mm-hmm. both don't also want more kids. All right, who is most likely to join a cult? <laughs> uh, I like a good cult. Like what kind of cults are we? Talking I, I don't about? think any cults are good, Justin. They all start out good. That's what I was. They all start out with what? They all start out good, and then you have to have sex with the leader, or the leader has to have sex with your wife. <laughs> yeah. And, and you then you can't. have to drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. And, or you die. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of Riverdale, like that whole cult thing. I don't know if you guys watch the show Riverdale, but um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to say, Jill, she'll get into some problem, like something on Instagram that somebody sends or somebody, and then it leads to like, oh, I'm going to just go to the gym and then it's going to go for coffee. And then before I know it, Jill's a part of some like flower call <laughs> and we're moving to the middle of some weird place that, to raise our kids on, on, on a hemp farm or something. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, Jill for sure. But wait, you watched the Archie Comics show Riverdale? Yeah, love it. Oh, I didn't know. I, well, I didn't it. know it was for adults. I haven't seen it. All all I know is that we were at a party one time, and I kept ending up in the same place as the guy that plays Archie, oh, and yeah. he was giving me weird looks, like I was following him. But it was just that we just kept bumping into each other. But he was like freaked <laughs> I think out of he, me. He just wanted you. I don't know. I think he was weirded out. Uh, who is most likely to believe in aliens? Uh, me. Table dance. Joe. Well, if we're at like Saigon Y2K, is it so, what the heck's that place called in Calgary? Have you guys ever been? Oh man, it's like this after-hours Chinese food restaurant. Uh, I can't believe I don't remember what this is called right now. Uh, mm. You go there at like three or four in the morning after the bar, and when the YMCA song comes on, we're on the tables. Like everybody's <laughs> on the tables doing the YMCA song dance, uh, or some like honky tonk, like whatever. But I think. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Jill, I think for sure again on that one. She would be up on the table dancing. She's got no, she has no shame. Mm -hmm. Good way to be. And last one, would you appear on another reality show, like a Temptation Island style show, I guess? Oh, goodness. Uh, probably not. Not that style of reality TV show. There's way mm -hmm. too much at, at risk and nothing would be worth uh, worth whatever that is. So no, no, not that kind of show. If we were to do like another like Jillian and Justin live here or like a house kind of thing for sure, I think. But uh, no, Temptation Island or anything like that would be definitely a no. What about the spouse swap show? <laughs> Wife swap. Wife swap. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the, what, like, what's the parameters on that? Like, are they literally swapping wife? Let's say it's like Pam Anderson comes to your house and Jill goes to uh, whoever Pam Anderson's <laughs> with. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of would be into that just so I could, just so Jill could appreciate how hard I work around the mm -hmm. house to go see something else. But uh, no, I, yeah, I don't know. Probably, if if it depends on what it would be like, I doubt I doubt Joel would be in for it, so disclude me on that. Yeah, I would never be in for that. But if the Jill and Justin show ever comes out, sign us up. We are watching it. But Justin, we gotta go. And if people wanna follow along with the Justin show, wanna check out what you're doing, where can they find you on socials? Social would be Instagram, Justin Pasuto, uh, right on Instagram. I've got a website in the works, but that's a few months out of the way. But uh, for now, Instagram. Instagram's got the Justin show uh, and basically the gallery of our life. So, And you are the second most famous Justin on Instagram. So could you spell your last name just in case it doesn't <laughs> autofill? P-A-S-U-T-T-O. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Justin, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. We have had such a good time. And the kid's been crying for the last 10 minutes, and I don't even care. Yeah. This I, I haven't so laughed at this hard in an interview, I don't <laughs> yeah. think. Thank you so much for that. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on. Uh, it was awesome to meet you guys. And congratulations on uh, such a beautiful little baby. Thank you so oh, much. You guys you. literally look like you're absolutely rocking it. So thank you guys so much for having me on your show. Oh, much All appreciated. Right. And you have a good day at that beautiful home yeah, and take in that care. beautiful man cave. <laughs> Bye, Justin. See you guys. See ya. 
So there you have it. That was Justin Pizzuto. He's the best. He's the best. I need him and Jillian to come and hang. Like, I want to have a cottage night with them or something like that. I just want to get a couple beers into both of them and just let it roll. Yeah, they'd be very fun to hang. They're very easy, instant, fast friends. Like, you hear that sometimes, and I, I, I used to not know what it meant. Like, oh, we, we became fast mm-hmm. friends. But I feel like we're fast friends. Yeah, no, I think so, too. Maybe they completely disagree, but I don't even want to know if that's the answer. But, yeah, no, it was a blast. And uh, yeah, now we're going to move on to somebody. I'm not sure if we're friends and I'm not sure if they (laughs) they like me. And I'm not sure if I approach this interview properly, but it happened. And I have nothing but love and respect for Nick and appreciation that he came on our podcast. And I think he did a really great job. And especially, we didn't mention this off the top. This was the day before he moved. Oh my gosh. I don't know if you're in the best mood. Mm moving during covid too like that's extra stressful yeah and nick's a vibe too i've seen interviews he's always kind of this vibe so Mm. i don't think he tried to make anyone uncomfortable in fact i think he handled my weird opening pretty well all things considered all right let's get to nick but before that alex tell the audience who we are supported by we are supported by the miku smart baby monitor it's the most accurate sleep and breathing monitor of all time. It uses no contact sensor fusion technology, which is connected to your smartphone and alerts you of changes to your baby's vitals and nursery conditions. I've never been more confident to go for a run and leave my baby at home. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course, but it does give you that confidence where you always feel like your baby is safe because Miku has your back. It's true. I actually feel comfortable leaving you at home with sleeping baby because I can be watching it on my cell phone whenever I'm the most responsible man on the planet. (laughs) No, I will give you that, but I do feel extra comfortable and I feel three times as comfortable because they have non-hackable crypto security. I hate those hackers. Yeah. Who even thought that they would hack baby monitors yet you see it in the news every once in a while. It's very freaky. You never know what these hackers are going to (laughs) do. But the Miku Smart Baby Monitor also has HD video and photo and amazing night vision. So if you go to MikuCare.com and use the promo code FAMILYTREE20, you are going to get $79 off. Again, that is MikuCare.com and the promo code FAMILYTREE20 for $79 off. That's huge. This was kind of a funny read, but $79 ain't no joke. <laughs> and just as a note, this discount is for U.S. listeners only. Oh, I'm sorry, Canadians, but we are also supported by... Routine. Deodorant is so tricky. The chemical kind is questionable and natural deodorants never work. Never? Never. But routine is natural and routine works. Well, because they are breaking the mold and it's amazing. Their effective base is made with antimicrobial ingredients and cool stuff like dietary magnesium. It releases your armpits from the burden of stress sweats and those stinky, stinky, stinky postpartum sweats. This is the best deodorant I have ever used. And I've used many as a person who suffers from chronic anxiety and stress sweat. Trust me, I know better than most. No, I tried to go to sleep last night and I forgot to put deodorant on during the day. And I honestly couldn't stand the smell of myself that I had to put the routine on before bed. And I've been meaning to thank you. (laughs) So get in touch with yourself and what works with your body with one of Routine's 16 unique scent blends in either a refillable glass jar, that's like what I have, or a stick at routinecream.com. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree10 at checkout, you're going to get 10% off your entire order. Again, that is routinecream.com and thisfamilytree10. 
And I recommend the Lucy in the Sky. Is that the flavor? Oh, yeah. It's not a flavor. Uh, the but scent. You know what I mean. But let's get to our interview right now with Nick Vile. Nick, thank you so much for joining us tonight. So getting right into it for the listeners, you were on initially The Bachelorette with Andy Dorfman. You were the runner-up. You were on The Bachelorette with Caitlin Bristow, runner-up. Bachelor in Paradise 3, you almost proposed to Jen Saviano. And then you were The Bachelor on season 21 and proposed to Vanessa Grimaldi. Mm -hmm. Have you been on The Bachelor the most out of anybody else in the franchise? Uh, I don't think so, actually, at this point. Well, with Paradise, it's like everyone's just on constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think once Paradise kind of launched, I mean, I, I think... Uh, you know, you have Chris Bukowski, but uh, I think when I went on, I was kind of a, a focal point of all the shows to a point where like when I was on, I was kind of on the whole whole right. season. So, but since then, um, yeah, I think a lot of people have come back. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Colton was on three times in like nine months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think, it, I mean, Claire, I think even Claire has been on five times now, but uh yeah, so there's actually a handful of people pretty much been on as much as I have, but certainly I've I've uh, there's probably nothing I haven't been a part of on that. Right. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have like the egot version of the Bachelor. <laughs> I, I is what's the egot? The egot's when you've won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if there if there is such a thing, yeah. Okay, out of all of the women that you connected with on the shows because you did get so far with them. Who did you love the most? Can we quantify that? I don't think, I don't think so. No? Hindsight's 2020. I mean, Vanessa's the only one I had an actual relationship Mm -hmm. with. Okay. Okay. There's a difference between kind of relationships on the show and in real life. So Mm -hmm. I I guess Vanessa wins by default, I I suppose. I was going to ask, so how soon after you make the decision to choose Vanessa, is it just like, not I've made a terrible mistake, but like, ugh, this isn't going to work? Well, I mean, I think everyone who goes on that show, uh, you know, once filming stops, there is a bit of reality sets in and there's a realization you have to get to know each other. Mm -hmm. And I think every every couple deals with uh, the inevitable struggles that come with kind of starting a relationship a little too fast. Yeah. Yeah. What what was it for you guys that you like had a hard time seeing eye to eye on or, or whatever it was? Uh, there was nothing really specific. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it hard it would be hard to like quantify it into just one. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but it was certainly a challenge. Okay, can uh, so settle a debate for me? I guess uh, it was three years ago, just for laughs. I saw Vanessa. <laughs> it was July twenty seventh. I was actually wearing this shirt. It's funnily enough. And it just felt like I was sitting in her booth and kind of talking to her like I was fanboying out, I guess. And I was like, she seems like she's single. And everyone's like, nah, nah, she's with Nick. She's with Nick. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I I, I don't know. And then five days later, it was announced that you two had broken up. At that moment when I was with her in the booth, was were you two broken up? Or was it more of a, a decision like, oh, the, the day we announce it is the day we broke up? I don't think any Bachelor relationship just <laughs> yeah, randomly so. ends. There's obviously a lot of talks, but I don't, I, don't, I don't remember the date we broke up. 
So right. uh, I, I'm pretty sure we broke up in August. Oh, okay. So, so it sounds like if that was July, then then we would have been together. Jeez. But she's still very much made of look single. I don't know. No, maybe she's just a bubbly person. I don't She wasn't doing anything crazy. She was, you know, sometimes I get the vibe and I think I've uh, got a good perception of people and I don't have yeah. it. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, he called me that later, later that night and told me. And I was on the fence to whether I think it was flirting or bubbliness because you were happy enough to tell me about it. Yeah, I was very excited. I uh, know. I, I was very jealous regardless if she was together with you or not. Yeah, I have the picture right here. Um, that's us. Together. You guys would have been a cute couple. Yeah, well, I had a, yeah, Nick, I, I didn't look good that night. I was still we with were, her. We were married. I wasn't flirting or anything. <laughs> I was just, you know, fanboying out. But I wanted uh, to ask, <laughs> uh, we were just talking to Blake Horseman not too long ago. And he, he was saying, he had an issue with you and Wells saying that you can't do a bad edit because there was a theory uh that wells had we just had wells on and he was saying oh you just your true character comes out in the edit you're either a bad guy or you're not and uh when we were talking to blake he said you kind of had the same thing and i thought that was interesting because you were portrayed a bit as a a villain on your season so do you still feel that way well i no i think it's nuanced you know Mm -hmm. um yeah i wasn't you know, people saw me differently on different seasons. Ultimately, I was the same guy. So I was the villain of Andy's season. I was the hero of paradise. You know, it, it all depends. But people get bubbled in a box. It's not It's not simplistic. People are considered villains because of music. It's not a... <laughs> I was just... Well, you of the most, I yeah. think. They, they really had to push to make you the villain. You'd like raise your eyebrow and it would, the song would change and I'd be like, he's bad. Listen, I, w- I wasn't happy with my soundtrack on Andy's season, you know? <laughs> now, it's, it's sometimes that simple. Um, yeah, I think Wells' explanation is a probably a little oversimplified. I didn't hear it, so I can't, you know, I'll take your word for it. You know, again, it's somewhere in the middle. I think, you know, when it comes to the show, uh, what the show does is try to show what happens. Uh, but also, the, the, it's the way the audience reacts to it more than anything. You know, when you go back and watch some things, we have a we have a tendency when we react to certain things on the show to uh, make a really big deal over small things mm-hmm. and criticize people for doing a lot of the same things that we do. So I, I've always said this. I, I firmly believe that more people who are not great people look better on the show than look worse. Why? Because very few people are made to look bad. Mm-hmm on that show, you know, a handful of people, most people, you know, you want, you want people to root for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not like you have a bunch of people. So most, most people look fine. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's oversimplified, but you know, we're all humans and there's a lot of people, there's a lot of things that people, you know, quite frankly, as I'm sure you can imagine, don't want to share Mm -hmm. when they go on TV. So it's a little oversimplified by Wells, but you know, I know, I know Blake had a hard time in paradise. And so, but, uh, you know, but also like, you know, with Blake, you know, again, people make a big deal about like his you know, stagecoach stuff. Most people in real life wouldn't care. But in, in yeah. Paradise, it's like a cardinal sin. So. Yeah. And uh, showing the text, is that cool or not? Well, yeah, I wasn't. I was critical of Blake yeah. for that. But it, now do you think like, oh, maybe it wasn't so bad considering she said all this stuff about him on national television? Yeah, no, I have the same opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't 
you know, yeah. just, that's sharing personal information mm-hmm. just because you're unhappy with how, you know, you, you look. But isn't she sharing the personal information on a much grander scale on television? That's the part that always kind of confused me about the background. She's, she's not in control of what's aired. So, right. You know, in the sense that he's, he's, yeah, that's my opinion. I, yeah, yeah I've been critical of it, but, mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't have done that. And I don't, I don't think he should have. And I don't, my opinion hasn't changed, but I don't think he's a bad guy for it. I think he just yeah. made a mistake right. in a vulnerable situation. Yeah. So I I just have questions kind of pivoting from that because you were like the last man standing a few times and then you got to not pick the women, but like kind of be more in control of the situations in paradise and on your season. So looking back to that, do you have like hindsight 2020 again do you have any regrets for you know not picking a certain person not developing something with somebody like is it just like ah damn like shouldn't have picked this person no i mean i really don't i mean i have no regrets on my decisions and things didn't work out for with vanessa but i'm sure if i would have done it again hindsight 2020 it would all ended the same way yeah but um yeah just often often is the case is that the the person's person is doesn't show up, you know, mm. and um, that's been the case for most of the bachelors. And how long do you wait before you text the person who came in second place? <laughs> I, uh, after you Raven. break up, right? You know, and then maybe three years later when they need a favor. <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, I mean, I have great relationships with a lot of the women from my season. We're mm. all friends, so mm. but uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. And what are things looking like for you right now? relationship wise in this weird COVID time we're in like are you on Raya uh no no I've been but I'm Mm -hmm. not and is is Raya all that's cracked up to be because we talked to Blake and he didn't seem to be able to get approved on that (laughs) he he can't get approved he says he's been waiting for eight months (laughs) (laughs) probably they, they they like to um protect people's identity. And I don't think releasing someone's text was a smart move. Yeah. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know if that's been their decision. They can't help. I'll tell you that much, but uh, yeah, I, I, I was on it and uh, it's, it's fine. That's, that's nothing special. It's just some nice people. Um, is that how you met January Jones? Uh, that is not how I met January Jones. Mm. Yeah. So when, when you're like the, the hierarchy, I find there's like reality stars used to be considered like, oh, they're just reality stars. But then people like Tyler Cameron are dating Gigi Hadid, Wells Adams, obviously Sarah Hyland relationship going quite well. They're engaged. You, January Jones, these rumors, there's uh, Rachel Bilson, other celebrity things swirling around. It seems like you and January Jones dated, according to her. I know you say you're friends, but friendly with people you date, as I, as I heard you say. <laughs> So do you think the perception is changing? I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I haven't paid too much attention to that. You know, I I did this weird thing. Obviously, I've been very fortunate enough to do things like have my podcast, obviously, mm-hmm. with the platform the Bachelor gives you, gives people who go on a lot of access. As far as people that some of us have dated, I don't know if that really... You know, the show gives you a lot of access, whether that's meetings, whether that's meeting people, and sometimes when you meet people, there might be a connection, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah, I don't, I, but I don't know. I, I, ha- I can't say I haven't spent a lot of time t- trying to figure out like if our 
if our status or credibility has taken a rise uh, because of some <laughs> of our, our dating lives. But, you know, I don't know what, you know, what it was before, but I, I think uh, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's kind of a weird thing to kind of evaluate. Yeah, but it's more of a whether you're sitting down and like, you know, counting points mm -hmm. is one thing, but you can kind of get an inherent sense like, oh, more celebrities are kind of admitting they're watching The Bachelor and they're not just admitting, they're huge fans. Much in the same way, it used to be an embarrassing thing maybe 10 years ago for a guy to say, I'm watching The Bachelor now. It's like the coolest fucking thing to say you watch The Bachelor if you're a guy. Cause yeah, it definitely was a guilty pleasure. I think mm -hmm. social media changed that, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're just talking about when social media really took off, The Bachelor, to your point, started becoming cool and it was less of a guilty pleasure. I think because people just started posting about it and it was like, Oh, we're all, we all like this. Great. I guess it's cool now. And that I think it includes a lot of celebrities, you know, anecdotally mm -hmm. going on talk shows and talking about it. And uh, to that point, yeah, it's been kind of considered at least watching the show, being a fan of it is kind of a, a fun thing to talk about. And I think yeah. maybe that wasn't, wasn't always the case 10 years ago. It was more of a, a guilty pleasure. Is, do you find it dicey now that you are under such a microscope, especially it is about your dating life? That's how you kind of we came to all know you. And then it's like people probably feel like they have more license to ask you about your dating life since that's how you came to fame. I've noticed in a lot of interviews you say we're friends and you're trying to be chivalrous. But is it just like are you just like I don't want to talk about my dating life so much? I mean, I'm personally pretty private when it comes mm -hmm. to my dating life. Um uh, I think as a result of it being under a microscope, but not so much under a microscope, but I don't mind it. You take the good with the bad with any of the stuff that happens. Like it's fine. I don't like, I don't mind that they ask, but I don't see the need to talk about it unless it's become something that I know it's going to be sustainable around for a while. So right. uh, if, if people I date talk about it, that's fine. But I, I choose to just be a little bit more low key, especially in the early stages of relationships. What if you actually are friends with a woman? Do they ever get annoyed if you're saying, oh, we're just friends. And then the woman like is like, I, people are going to think we're dating even more now. <laughs> Cause that's like code for we're kind I have, of, I have a ton of women friends and you know, there's always been a ton of rumors, some true, some not true. So there's always people like speculating. It is what it is. Like can't, I can't have a, a woman guest on my podcast without people speculating. There's more to it, but um, that's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Mm. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Right. So when it comes to somebody like Hannah Ann, is there any chance we're going to get lucky with like yeah, an, exclusive, an exclusive an exclusive <laughs> scoop? It's been our dream to have some kind of scoop in any regard, but uh, yeah. just friends or is there a little I'm more so, you can yeah. spill? I, no, we're just friends. I wouldn't just, I, I don't plan. Uh, I guess anything's possible, but I've mm. highly, highly unlikely that I would ever uh, announce any relationship with someone mm. who's been in vaccination. Mm. Yeah. I, I try to avoid it. Um, I'm not against it. But short of that person being my person, I, I don't yeah. casually date in Bachelor Nation. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a quote that Chris Rock had, I believe, where he said, you're only as faithful as your options. Do you think you're only as single as your options? Meaning there's so many out there. I might as well keep exploring and exploring and exploring. Uh, no, I don't look at it that way. I mean, as far as I'm, I'm at the point where I'm at, I, you know, you know what you want, you know what you don't want. Mm -hmm. And I'm not. I'm not anxious to find someone. I'm just looking forward to it, it, it happening. So, 
yeah, my dating life's great in a sense that um, happy where it where it's at, and I guess I'll just leave it that at that. No, that's good. I I was curious. It's like dating life aside. I I think about you know you guys going on and doing different things, and I know that you are an actor, and I was curious if being on The Bachelor makes it harder to get roles, harder to be taken seriously in Hollywood, things like that, just because they know you as, you know, mm-hmm. The Bachelor. Yeah. I mean, I've always said this, uh, the show, like I said before, it gives you incredible access and mm. it gives you zero credibility. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's one of those weird things that usually you kind of have to have both to get into certain rooms, mm. even in life, you know. But again, go, people have such a fascination with the show, it will sometimes get you in rooms for reasons that you aren't interested in. Yeah. I've been fortunate enough to be aware of that fact. Mm-hmm. I have no uh, delusions that I have this credibility that I don't have, you know, and that when I get access to some pretty unique things, uh, there's probably a reason why. And that gives me a chance to try to build up that credibility mm-hmm. um, through just doing the work and, and having a, a level of humility of why you might be in a certain room and, and just, you know, taking the time, whether it's classes or studying or interacting, it's just, yeah, just kind of having a, a, an awareness of that. So you got to work really hard on getting credibility. And <laughs> to that point, yeah, sometimes you have to work a little extra hard. Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, you're talking about acting. It's, it's easy to get pigeonholed. Yeah. in certain roles uh even like actors who are known for for an acting role like sometimes the if they have such a unique role it's hard to break the mold it's like they'll always be that person from that show it's it's sometimes tough is there a certain type of movie or show that like you are trying to film or get involved with or are you just kind of trying to take anything because you like acting uh, I'm definitely not trying to take anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to be smart. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to get some work. I've turned down some work. I'm just, I'm also very fortunate that I don't have to rely on uh, a paycheck through acting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can be selective with my choices and I can take time and study and do the work. And uh, I have no like, oh, I got to make it big or do something by a certain date or I have to like move back to Wisconsin. So I'm very <laughs> fortunate to do things and other things in the entertainment space, you know, specifically, obviously with vile files that uh, I can take my time and, and find projects that I'm, you know, passionate about, or I think I could do well in or have some success. And um, obviously those, you know, it's not like I have a ton of offers coming my way, but I'm just trying to do the work and do it right. And if mm-hmm. it happens, great, but yeah, there's no, there's no specific thing. I do want to be open, but be smart about my choices. Mm-hmm. Who do you think has parlayed their post-bachelor life or career the best or played the game the best? I don't know if there's a game. I mean, there's certain people out there. Like, I'm very thankful that I've been able to carve out a career for myself. Mm -hmm. I know Rachel's obviously doing very well, but, you know, Wells, you know, he was kind of already in this space before he went on the show. So, you know, he's having a lot of success. And, you know, obviously Ben and Ashley, you know, a lot of these my friends are, doing things in this space you know i don't know if it's from a game standpoint but i think a lot of the people i did mention uh, i think one thing they have in common is they're they're hard working and they don't take the opportunity for granted and they don't assume that they're owed anything and i think that's a a common thing Mm -hmm. theme with some of the people i just mentioned so of a lot of the people that are you know really working towards something a lot of them have podcasts whose podcast is the best excluding your own uh, I can't say I've listened to all of them, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. 
Well, there's so many. It's, oh, I know. it's impossible now. Yeah, excluding my own. I mean, I guess I'll just say the only one I really listen, you know, probably, I'll just say a tie, you know, Caitlin's and, and Ben's and Ashley's and, and Wells, sure, theirs, or I guess Rachel's too. I'm, they're all fine. <laughs> I am thankful that mine was recognized by the Associated Press as the top 10 podcast of 2019. Well, but That's huge. I was just going to say that, actually. I was For some reason, your podcast and Caitlin's always get mentioned as the best ones. And I was wondering, what do you think it is about yourself or your podcast that makes it kind of a cut above? I don't know if it is, but I mean, I'm half kidding, but uh, I appreciate the awards and recognition that my podcasts have gotten. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I take pride in the fact that Vile Files isn't, and I think Caitlin's is similar, but it's, you know, sometimes we'll talk about reality TV and the show, but you know, it's more relationship focused or just interview focus. And I've kind of just taken the time to kind of branch, branch it out to various topics. I like asking questions. I like talking to interesting people. I just try to be as authentic as honest as possible and hope that people want to listen. If that's the recipe for success, then great. Uh, so far, so good. But I don't, I don't know if I'm doing anything special, but I, I do work hard on it. So I'm glad people do listen. You seem to have a gift for giving advice. Like, is that something you just fell into or you always knew from a young age you were just like wise in some way? I've always kind of been the friend that people will come to for relationship advice. And I think it's a combination of this is kind of how my brain works. And I have just a little, you know, a little bit of, you know, sometimes like I have a hard time bullshitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm the tough love friend. And um, I just always kind of been look good at looking at social dynamics in a situation that people seem to have found helpful and it's fun for me to do. I've always enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's a big part of files, my podcast, but yeah, I've always kind of been that friend. And a lot of it comes from, you know, your own experiences of things I've learned from my own life that I would have done differently in my early, earlier life. And a lot of the uh, advice I give again, like I said, it comes from things I wish I would have done differently mm-hmm. or seen the world differently now. And a lot of it just comes from perspective. So Speaking of your own experience, you are what one kid of nine or ten? I have a ten siblings, so there's eleven of us. Okay, that are your parents still together? Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. so this that is insane to me. We have two kids, and some days I'm amazed that we make it through the week, and it's hard. I could not imagine that many. So I'm wondering if some of your, you know, your the way that you give advice and some things that you pull, is that from watching your parents try to navigate their relationship with 11 kids? Like, what did you learn from them that you kind of, that you admire and that you maybe wanted to improve on? Well, I mean, I learned a lot from my parents. My parents are were great role models. I had a really fortunate childhood. But yeah, probably, as, far, as far as the advice they give, probably not. Just because, you know, my, my parents' relationship, at least from my point of view as a kid, seemed perfect. I'm sure it wasn't as perfect behind closed doors at times, but I mean, in terms of like, you know, morals and and things like that, my parents were great role models, but probably the relationship advice I give, if it comes from my own experiences, probably just comes from my own dating life Mm -hmm. or friends dating life. And some of it is just kind of understanding people's psychology. I've just always been fascinated with that. You know, usually it just comes down to what our motivations are. And yeah. sometimes it's just really hard to be honest with ourselves when we're emotionally impacted by something and, and trying to understand that. But yeah, my parents were, were were great role models. But in terms of, you know, it's like you learn as a kid that 
you know, respect is important because mm-hmm. my parents should respect for each other. But I think that's like, you don't need to hear that from me or, you know, that's kind of a <laughs> common thing. But my, I had a, I had a very fortunate uh, a vision of, of a relationship and a marriage for my parents. Oh, yeah. And how much do you think birth order matters in how what shapes you as a person? I find that the oldest or the youngest are usually like the breakout stars of the f- family. The, the youngest <laughs> being the more attention getters, the oldest being more leadership, stoic type roles. So where do you fall in and how much do you believe in that? I'm the second oldest. I'm the oldest boy. Uh, I don't know. I haven't put much thought into it. I'm sure it plays some sort of a role. Uh, I can't. I'm sure I, to what I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's a combination of different personalities. You know, there's, there's so many things I'm sure go into different, you know, pe- who people are. Mm. Right. I'm not, I don't know if you guys are horoscope people, but uh, maybe there's some truth to that birth order. I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I'm sure it affects it to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the kind of, I'm so fascinated when people have huge families, like so fascinated but is that the kind of family dynamic that you're interested in having? Like a ton of kids? I definitely want a family. I, don't, I mean, I don't suspect I'm going to have, I better get started fast if I'm going to have 11 <laughs> yeah. kids, but I don't suspect that's going to be the case for me. And to your point, yeah, I mean, I grew up in it, but it still blows my mind what my parents did. Um, yeah. I can barely take care of myself. So No, it's it's wild. So they must be like two pretty passionate people to be able to conceive 11 times over did that come through when you were a kid like their attraction to one another i think it was i mean i'm sure my parents were really attracted together it's not like they were all horned up i think it was more (laughs) of a case of they they weren't big on uh on contraception yeah Uh, so i think that was more of a you know they just pulled the goalie and see what happened (laughs) yeah because you can have just as much sex and not that amount of children with coitus interruptus AKA the pull-out method. Yeah. I mean, there's a fertility thing. Obviously it seems that like my parents are fertile. There's that, they got that yeah. going for them. But I, quite frankly, I, I, I never sat them down and asked them for specifics on how it came to be. Other than the fact that I'm, I'm quite certain they didn't practice any kind of, of contraception. See, there was only two of us, myself and my brother, but I didn't need to ask them because even though our house was pretty big, I managed to walk in on them so many times. I never have. As that, far as if really? I, I, I really truly haven't. No. That's I, amazing. What about, I used to hear my parents doing it a lot. Never. Even hearing them. No. Wow. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how Were they Were you guys it. off at the babysitters a lot? No, I was pretty lucky. I was the oldest boy and I had an older sister. And so I, I'm like an only child who has 10 siblings. I kind of, I kind of got to do what I wanted because I, I had sisters who babysat. I mean, I babysat, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. that, that burden didn't fall on me too often. I kind of snuck through. So you didn't feel like you kind of had like an early experience kind of almost being a dad, but with your siblings? Uh, being a dad? Sh- no. I mean, certainly as an older brother, sure. A little bit. Um, but yeah, I had great parents. At no point was it like, oh, I had to raise these other ones or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I my parents were our fantastic parents. So I had a pretty fortunate childhood. All right. So Nick, our listeners love you, uh, to put it bluntly. And they have some questions for you. We're hoping that you can help them out with some issues. Shane and I try to give them advice sometimes. I don't know that they're that that we are that great at it because they are so excited. Probably it's probably because you guys are so in love, right? You can't objectively answer people's problems because it, it's like you you guys are the 
the overly smart high school teacher where everything's just like, well, just, just, just you're too it. smart. You know, it's too easy for you. And, you know, you need people who are like have the same problems to break it down. Well, I, I like that. But yeah, so here we go. If this is okay. Yeah, sure. All right. So first question, how do you move from a friends with benefits relationship to an actual relationship? And how do you kind of navigate a smooth tra- transition? Uh, well, pro- probably you don't. Mm. Yeah. What, you don't do it at all? I mean, listen, there's exceptions to every rule, but uh, a friends with benefits or, or just friend zone, there's, there's usually a reason why that happens. Like what's a friends with benefits also? Is that like, is that a, you're having sex, you're having sex, but you're not exclusively dating. And for sure, one of the people in that relationship is probably dating other people. Yeah. And almost always in those cases, you would be together because one person wants more and mm-hmm. one person is happy the way it is. Mm-hmm. Right. So the only really way to actually, and it almost will never happen, but if there is a chance, you just have to stop doing what you're Something has to change, but mm-hmm. people are too afraid to like walk away. You have to stop having sex with the person. You have to leave. You have to put it out there that you want more. You have to state it. You have to have, be brave enough to say, you know what? I'm not okay with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I like you. And it's okay if you don't like me, you know, you act totally fine. You don't act desperate. You're just like, I'll be fine, but I want more. And if you don't want more, that's also fine. I'm going to go find it somewhere else. And then you see if they want to, uh, you know, keep it it's going a game of chicken. Yeah. yeah. But you can't, you can't beg, you can't ask, you can't plea, and you can't say you want more. And then when they say they don't want more, then you go, then you say, fine. We'll just keep doing what you want mm-hmm. and then that never works you actually have to yeah. be willing to risk it no so. I, I think people get into friends with benefits situations because they don't want the heartbreak and then they end up getting it you know tenfold mm-hmm. yeah they play it safe and you're just dragging on the inevitable so at the moment you want more you should say you want more and be prepared to walk away the, the biggest trick of getting anything you want in a relationship is be okay with hearing the answer you don't want to hear that, that is sage advice that is good all right next question can relationships recover from cheating? Sure. Yeah. It can. I mean, it's one of those things where people ask like there's a golden rule. It's a choice, you know? You have to decide if you can forgive. Like what you can't do is forget. Like, so mm-hmm. if your like, rule is like, well, I'll forgive you if like I can magically forget it happened. No, you have to like accept it. You have to face it. You have to be okay with it. And you have to like decide whether you're going to forgive it. And if you do, then you actually have to forgive them. You can't be like, I'm going to forgive you, but like bring it up to you every fucking day. (laughs) So yeah, it's up to you. And you have to, you have to be okay with it. Like you can't have your friends judge you. You can't do all this. You have to decide that you're okay with it. And you have to figure out like, why, why did it happen? You Mm -hmm. know, why was that level of trust? broken can that level of trust it's 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 a little more yeah it's it's not as simple as can you do it or not mm-hmm. why did it happen will that stop will that you know kind of thing and you have to kind of almost kind of re- reverse engineer you yeah. know, how it went down but you don't owe it to them and if you want to walk away walk away so do you think that most people you know think that you can't you're, sorry, do you think that more people would maybe make relationships work after cheating if they weren't so scared about their friends and their opinions? Because there's that mm. like shame and embarrassment when you get cheated on. I'm sure that plays a role sometime, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think more often than not, people 
I, I think what's more true is that people convince themselves that they want to try to forgive this person because they're afraid of moving on. Yeah. Uh, they also want to forgive this person because they, their egos are hurt and they want to prove that they get, can get this person to love them again. And they probably aren't thinking enough about, do they really want to be with someone who hurt them? That's mm -hmm. usually what motivates people to try to make that work. It's, it's, it's probably less than the friends than their, their willingness to just decide that they deserve more. All right, Nick, we're just going to take a quick break to let our listeners know that we are supported by Hey You. Hey You super serves reality fans by delivering thousands of hours of reality content curated in one place. We were fans before the pandemic, but ever since, it's <laughs> been a lifesaver. And I'm guessing since you're listening to this interview, you may have a little interest in reality TV. There's over 8,000 episodes from over 300 reality shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Real Housewives, and if you're like us, Vanderpump Rules. So we only used to stick to Bachelor, Vanderpump. We never really got into Real Housewives, but since we've had all this time, we've got into them all. And now I feel like every week I actually find a new favorite. Oh my gosh, yeah, we got the time. And because Hey You lets you catch up on a complete series by watching from episode one, I mean, we're binging it all. It costs less than one fancy smoothie at only $5.99 a month with no contract. It's fast as most episodes are available the same day as they are on TV. It's ad-free and all the content is available for download on all your devices. So you can watch it on the go. And it's risk-free. You can sign up for 30 days and cancel at any time. But here's where they get you. You're not going to cancel because it's so darn addictive. Pardon my French. So if you want to get started, you can set up a free month-long trial by visiting get.heyu.com slash the family. Again, that is get.heyu.com slash the family. So definitely do that. But we are also supported by Seedlip the world's first non-alcoholic spirit. Seedlip is crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories and is meant to solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking. And for the month of October, I am not drinking unless you mean Seedlip and water and that's pretty much it <laughs> <laughs> because I am trying to clear my mind and not lose all the relaxation properties that Seedlip provides me with. Oh, it's the best. And it's crafted using a bespoke process that involves traditional copper distillation of botanicals. So each of Seedlip's three variants, we have Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, offer something for every type of drinker. They pair perfectly with a splash tonic. However, you can check out the Seedlip cocktail book for more complex cocktails, which Shane and I like to get into, you know, every Saturday night. Yeah, and I'll admit, I sit back while you make them, but I definitely <laughs> do enjoy them and appreciate you for doing that. And you have made some amazing ones. The carrot one. Oh, the carrot the one. The coconut one. Oh my God, the, the coconut, coconut one. one. <laughs> so I just love experimenting with this or well drinking the ones that you're experimenting <laughs> with point is seed lip has been one of the best products that enter my life in 2020 no it's been amazing and you can head to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and follow at seedlip underscore na on instagram for more ways to enjoy again that is seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and at seedlip underscore na on instagram and we may have a discount code coming soon. Stay tuned. But we are also supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs makes the best nursing and everyday bras 
on planet Earth. I was just going to say it. But the reason I don't is because I'm a man and people wouldn't believe me. But I tell you, believe Alex because she will not tell a lie. No, and I basically sing it from rooftops if you know me. Bravado Designs has the best nursing bras. I've been using them since I gave birth to Lucy. And now they have an everyday collection which have no clips but the same delicious, amazing comfort for your boobs. So you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com. Or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection as well as the nursing bras at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which site you use, use the promo code ThisFamilyTree20 to get 20% off. Again, that is ca.bravadodesigns.com and ThisFamilyTree20. And people love these things, so pick them up. You will not be disappointed. But let's get back to our interview with Nick Vile. All right, next question. How to approach differences in family culture or religion with your partner? Honesty. I mean, you just have to deal with it. You know, it's also one of those things too. Like, depending on if you're a young couple. I mean, listen. This here. This will be a page out of my parents' book. There's one thing I learned from my parents (laughs) that I think would serve any relationship well, and I hope to have in my relationship is that they were a united front. They were a team, and Mm. you know, my parents even kind of talked about it when we were growing up. And you know, we had close relationships with our extended families. But even as a kid, my parents made it very clear that they were the, they, they're what matters. Like their opinion, their respect for another, my grand, like didn't matter what my grandparents, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. like in, in any relationship, you, it's like, you have to decide to make your partner the priority. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, not, not like one B to your mom or dad's opinion. Like, if that's the only way it works, you have to decide that no matter what, we're going to make this work. And we hope that other people will agree with us. We'll hope that other people will support us. But if they don't, we don't need them to be successful. Yep. yep. And then you just have to decide. But if, if you're trying to change the other person's, you know, belief system or opinion to like fit your family, that that's never going to work. Mm-hmm. So fuck the families, do it for you guys or else you're screwed. Yeah, basically. Yep. All right. Uh, next we've got, my partner doesn't like going down on me and I'm offended slash unsatisfied. I think I covered this on my podcast at launch today. I Did mean, you? Yeah. I mean, break so up. Go there. Break up. Is there, is there any teaching? Like, do you think? Well, listen, I don't, I don't think it's people sometimes think like that's somehow superficial to, to, uh, in any relationship, people want to be with someone who cares about their needs mm. and feelings mm-hmm. right you, they want to be with someone who wants to be selfless mm-hmm. so that includes the bedroom so sometimes we always have to do things in a relationship you don't want to do mm-hmm. right and i mean i find it nuts that a guy wouldn't be interested in in, in in making his partner happy but like on some level like there should be a level of like what makes you happy and and you're only asking it not because like you're going to, you're not going to agree with it because you are okay with it. It's not like, you know, sometimes you go to the ballet because they like the ballet, not because you also like the ballet or they go to the football game. I don't know. But sometimes you do things just because they're happy. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's how it works. And, and the bedroom's no different. So uh, if a couple was trying to make a compromise, right? So like, so this is a woman writing it. So the guy doesn't like going down. The woman wants him to clearly they want to stay together. What do you think is a fair compromise like how many times should he be going down on her to I don't think you know there's a compromise i think you just the, the compromise is you need to start 
caring about my happiness in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's no, the, I like some that. things you don't meet in the middle. You just, mm-hmm. you're willing to do it or you're not willing to do it. Yeah. I think, I think if in this situation, she should definitely stop going down on him. <laughs> no, that's you definitely know? a good call. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when it comes to relationships and sex, like I think our society, our culture as you know, men have had it good. A lot of people for better or worse, learn a lot about sex through porn. Porn is very much designed for men. Mm-hmm. Um, and so both men and women often learn really bad habits about expectations or what's normal in the bedroom. And a lot of that is like, as long as the guy's getting off, everyone's supposed to be happy. And clearly, obviously that's not the case. And I think men, men and women probably should get better at talking about it to kind of break down those stereotypes. What do you think of like a no porn rule in a relationship? I mean, I, I think porn's fine, but you just, everything in moderation, you know, mm. it's gotta be healthy, you know, like if you want to watch porn, great. If you're watching porn in, in lieu of ever having sex, then that's a, that's a bigger, pro- you know, mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. So I think that could be a fun thing to do in relationships, but in a relationship, I think those things you have to discuss. I don't think it's healthy to be in a relationship and forbid people to do things like watch porn or have, you know, mm-hmm. masturbate, you know, like the weird thing. And, you know, young couples think like if they, if you're together, then all of a sudden you're not supposed to allow have your own quality time. So it's different when you do it for yourself, for men and women, you know, mm-hmm. right. It's just different. Yeah. Um, so that's just, I think that's something that young, young couples just, it's, you have an expectation of what you think a relationship should be versus reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. But it becomes a problem when it's in lieu of sex. Yeah. If you're never, yeah. If, yeah. if, if it's, if it's replacing sex, then it's a problem. If it's potentially enhancing it, then it's well, There you go. Yeah. And both parties are satisfied. Yeah. It's like if you're eating ice cream instead of dinner, it's a problem. It's an issue. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. It's good. It's a great analogy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this one uh, is from a married listener. So I'm going to try to reword it so it can be uh, more accessible to everybody. So she says, how do I not throat punch my husband who is sleeping at 2 a.m. while I am breastfeeding? So I guess we could say, how do you not resent your partner when you don't think the work they're putting in is equitable? I mean, I think it's kind of similar, quite frankly, to the, the last question. It's just a different thing that's a problem. But what if you're married and it's already like, you know, you're not just going to break up. And the man can't do anything if there's breastfeeding going yeah, on. He, like he, 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 he should get his rest. She, the mom needs her rest too. And, and honestly, so like we in our relationship have determined that I'm the nighttime breastfeeder because I have breasts that produce milk. Yeah. We didn't deter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. But some can't, of- can't, can't you like pump or okay, something? Well, no, that's the, the thing. That's the thing. However, I, I like breastfeeding. No, there's okay. more to it. She's on, <laughs> she's on maternity leave. So, and we have yeah. a, a nanny in the house so she can mm-hmm. sleep in the daytime. Mm-hmm. I've got a full-time job. I actually have two jobs that I'm and working. And you have sleep issues. And I have insomnia. Mm-hmm. So if I wake up, I don't go back to sleep. Then I got to cl- complete yeah. my job and then go do my other job. Mm-hmm. So No, but we, we Yeah, I mean, listen, I think every situation's different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we I just don't know a lot about this girl you know. who wants to throw and punch her husband. But if I were to oversimplify her question, it sounds like you guys have it worked out, right? You understand yeah. whatever, but it sounds like 
maybe there's a theme with this guy where he seems to be unwilling to do his part. Maybe he's like, not going down on her. Yeah, maybe, maybe you know, maybe. and so my guess is, yeah, yeah, right. If, if, if you like, if she likes breastfeeding or whatever, but, and he's just really not willing to do his part, maybe that's just like a metaphor for the bigger part of the relationship. I just think in general, like, you got to be willing to do things you don't want to do. And I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of relationships that early on, whoever, if it's the guy or the girl, they, they get in these really bad habits mm-hmm. of, you can't do, you can only do 100% of your half. Right. Yeah. And oftentimes in, in relationships and when people date, they they are doing 100 percent of their half and and 30 percent of the other person's half. Mm-hmm. And eventually, eventually it doesn't work out. You might do that into marriage and then you set some really bad examples for each other and you get these really bad habits. But event, there's a breaking point. I don't know when that's going to happen. Maybe it's in six months. Maybe it's in 10 years. But eventually you're going to be like, fuck this. You know, and, and a lot of people do that. They they. They make up for what the person's not giving them and thinking that will be enough. So when you were a younger guy or now, I don't know, did you have any bad habits that you kind of had to realize and step back from and then break before you, you know, tried to get into more serious relationships? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm sure I have. I probably still have a lot of the, the same ones. But again, I mean, as far as the basic stuff, I, I, was, I was definitely the uh, – in my – first couple of relationships, you know, I have that fixture mentality. I was, I was trying to do hundred percent of my half and 20% of theirs. Mm-hmm. I definitely, it's something I learned on my own. You know, a lot of it's this communication style, you know, things like that. Part of, I think for me, the thing you learn for anyone as you get older, you just kind of learn about who you are. Mm-hmm. Right. I think when you're, when you're old, when you're younger in dating, you still don't know entirely who you are. You're trying to figure it out all while getting to know someone else. And I think in every relationship, it's good to have compromises, right? Do your part, do things you don't want to do. There's also a benefit to saying, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. I'll work to get better on things that are like reasonable, but this is who I am. So if you're expecting me to be someone different, then I can tell you right now, it's not who I'm going to be. And I think when we're younger, we try to change who we are to make other people happier, set expectations. And I think there's a lot of beauty and especially when you have is in life, you, you just get more comfortable with saying, this is who I am. That's not an excuse for being a piece of shit or not doing your part or being lazy, but just not trying to be someone you're not. Mm-hmm. Are you the type of guy who likes to just keep moving forward and not stopping to reflect on the past? Uh, no, I'm, I'm really good at dwelling on the past. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what are your thoughts on therapy too? Because uh, I have. I think ther- st- yeah, I think therapy is great. Yeah, I'm a big advocate of therapy. And do you think it's a lifelong thing, or is there a point where you can be done therapy? I mean, I'm not an expert, but I think both. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I I think sometimes people can like anything else. Yeah, I think you could use a break from therapy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I think some people you can get addicted to anything. I think people get addicted to therapy. So. I don't, again, this is not, I'm not an expert, so don't want it, but like everything's, I'm a big guy. I'm a, I'm a Libra balance, you know, like I think therapy can be a beautiful thing, but sometimes if you've done it like every week for five years and you're just kind of ruminating and talking over, and I think some people's personalities respond better to therapy as well. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, I think for myself, I'm overly analytical. I like to break things down. And sometimes for me, I need to take a mental break from constantly just talking about uh, my problems. Sometimes I didn't need to like let that go. And so, uh, I think it's different for everyone in general. I'm a big advocate for it, but Mm -hmm. I think, yes, I think you don't have to always do it. 
it's not for everyone. And I think it's always good to take a little bit of break from anything you're doing on, on a regular basis. True that. All right. Two more. So we've got, I've been married for 38 years and my husband has ADHD. Can you teach an old dog new tricks? <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not, man. I don't know. Right. I mean, 38 years. I don't. It's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. You know, I, I think my, who am I to give advice to someone who's married 38 years, but if I were to try, I would tell her to find, find satisfaction in the small victories, you know, small mm-hmm. steps, you know, get him to compromise a little bit. Uh, you're not going to change this guy. It's, he is who he is, you know, but if you can maybe get him to get out of his comfort zone a little bit, that's a small win. What do you think is the cutoff for teaching old dogs new tricks? Is there an age? Like, are you too old to learn new tricks? Is Shane too old to learn new tricks? I think it depends. I think def- I think you have to define that, right? Mm-hmm. For you, when did the Jello set? I think the Jello sets for all of us much earlier than we realize. Mm-hmm. Right? We just don't know what the, the Jello looks like. I think part of it is figuring out what the flavor is. You know, <laughs> we're so deep in this Jello analogy. I don't even know what it means anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's more about figuring out who we are, mm-hmm. right? I think. The difference is we spend a lot of time figuring that out and then trying to be different versions, but we are who we are. Mm-hmm. I think it's always good as people to get out of our comfort zones, right? And to try new things. Like It's not going to change who, are we, who we are at our core, but it might expand our comfort zone with things. Uh, we might learn to like things we didn't realize we would like and, and things like that. But we are, like, we are always going to be who we are. And mm-hmm. I think that's, I think it's healthy to accept that. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't work on self-improvement. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a difference there. It's, it's nuanced. No, absolutely. And the last one is the most salacious from an anonymous listener. I'm dating a guy who loves me, but I'm attracted to his single older brother. I mean, it's not going to work out with either of them. But what if, what if she stays with the guy that she's dating because he loves her just to get close to the older brother and just to always maintain I mean, that closeness. She could. It's, it's what I'm like. The real answer is it's not going to work out with any of them. She doesn't, you know, <laughs> uh, again, anything's possible. Most likely it's not, it's not, it's going to get messy, but I don't know what she's going to do, you know, but my, my bold prediction is that this will not, she won't end up with either of them. So I don't really have an advice rather than a bold prediction that <laughs> I would have, if I would have bet money and only knowing that information is that she's going to end up with someone other than those two. Shocking. Cause it's just, uh, it's just going to get messy. You know, it's, uh, what are the chances that she goes to the guy she's dating and be like, sorry, I'm just, you know, want to have sex with your brother. And, you know, we don't even know if the brother is even interested. In no, it's true. My guess is probably not. Well, it, it would be weird if he was because that would be just overstepping your boundaries as a brother. Well, you can still be interested and not act on it. True, true. Mm-hmm. But like, okay, Bachelor Nation is so kind of incestuous in a way that do you think like, have you been in a position where, you know, it was like this, but for, you know, your friend group? No, I, I personally haven't. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's different than having a brother or a sister. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, listen, like I'm friends with Chris Souls. Caitlin was on Chris Souls season. So there's that dynamic. You don't really think about that. And it's a little different, but, uh, and like I said, I'm not really, I don't really date in that, that circle anymore, but, Mm. um, there's certainly some overlap in bachelor nation. That's for sure. (laughs) 
I wanted to ask about the recent season of The Bachelor. I'm fascinated with it. Uh, Bachelorette? What's it called when the woman's the main person? The Bachelorette. Bachelorette. Uh, how Claire left. Now, you know, you're the older brother. I feel like you're a responsible guy and uh, wouldn't do that to the series. Do you think that's an irresponsible move? Uh, I, I, I think I'm very different than Claire. I mean, I would agree with that. I, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think anything's possible with Claire. I think when it comes from a TV standpoint, that's a great thing. Uh, I think we'll all be entertained. I really don't know much. I don't know much more than the average fan. I really, you know, I don't know anything more than the average fan. I was just wondering, uh, though, if you would do that as someone who's actually been in that position. Is the weight of the responsibility so much that it transcends love? No, but those things aren't mutually exclusive, right? And I guess to your point, I didn't do that, right? And from the rumors I've heard, because I don't know uh, any facts, but uh, uh, she would be, if, if the rumors are correct, then every other lead before her chose not to do what people are saying she did. Right. You know, and it's not because their situation was any different than hers. So in other words, everyone kind of knows earlier on than they let on, obviously, and they all choose to stay for the, for the sake of entertainment. Well, it's not realistic to fall in love with 30 people equally for nine weeks. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, to that end, yeah, I mean, you, you, it's always, you always have favorites and non-favorites and, especially early on in the show, because you are making a TV show. Um, you don't get to, you have, you can't just go out with your favorites, you know, this doesn't make, like you can't make a TV show You're only going on dates with two or three people. It doesn't, it's not how it works. Like I've always said, they're trying to make a great TV show and they also want two people to fall in love. And most of the time, those things are, more than possible. Is she taking a financial hit at all? Like, is like obviously the contestants I don't know. do. I don't. <laughs> well, you, well, you were the bachelor. Like, do they pay you to be the uh, bachelor? The, the, the leads make money, but as far as how the, I don't, I still really don't know what happened for sure. I don't know her mm -hmm. contract or what she made, or I have no clue. Mm -hmm. have, yeah. But do you do? Does everyone make different? Like, is it like the NBA where it's like, oh, we think you're going to pull these numbers, therefore we've come up with this equation. That I I honestly don't know. My guess is it's it's not the same number for mm -hmm. every single person. Obviously, over the years things change, but I don't know that for sure. But my guess is it's not the same for everybody. But I I also would say that I don't think it's there's that there's not that much of a delta either. Delta, is this a poker term? Like a difference, you know? Oh, okay. I think it's all within the same range. Yeah, you don't know EGOT, I don't know Delta. Okay, my la my very last question is bachelor-related. Bachelor -related. Uh, do they, how much do they indicate, like, the producers sway you into, like, hey, could you just keep these people, like, near the uh, end? I've always, I've always said they'll never make you send someone home that you are interested in pursuing a relationship. And that, that is more than enough to like make you happy and to let them also make a great TV show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unlike the woman whose husband doesn't go down on her, are you satisfied questioning? Yeah. You got them all out. <laughs> yeah, I'm satisfied. Yeah. Nick, thank you so much. If people want to check out your podcast, follow you on socials, where can they go? Uh, check out the Vile Files anywhere you can find a podcast, Nick Vile on Instagram, and then Vile Nicholas 28 on Twitter. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight. 
and uh, enjoy the Thanks rest of the Thanks for having week. me, guys. Appreciate good it. luck with that move. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Bye, All right. Nick. Have a good night. Bye-bye. So what'd you think? Was that as weird as you thought it would be? No, not at all. And it's funny because you really thought that it was weird after recording. You told me you yeah, thought no, it was only, weird. Only a couple parts. Only a couple parts. But I thought the opening in general was okay. And I really, he like he really got into a groove during the question. So ending with those made me think a little more highly of the interview. And uh, yeah, no, I think he was fantastic. And especially in the advice section. He was amazing. Wow, sounds like someone's in love with Nick. But let's get to the end part of the show. In this part, we answer listener questions. Now, I don't recall you putting out a feeler for questions, so I'm very curious to see, one, how many questions did we get? And two, what's the quality of these questions like? We got seven in there. Good. Whoa. Okay, let's get through them. <laughs> Are you ready? All right, we'll start off easy, real easy. Wine or beer? Hmm, that's not, that's hard. Well, it's easy to answer because the answer itself is just one word, but mm -hmm. this is a truly debatable thing and it's very mood related. Okay. Wine or beer. If I could only do one for the rest of my life, what would it be? I'd say wine. I'd say wine too. Here's the thing. Like I love, nothing is better than a beer in certain circumstances. And when you're in those certain circumstances, like I'm thinking, you know, a big day at the cottage, racing around, chasing the kids around, finally put them in bed. And then you just sit there in the summer, grab that cold, fizzy beer. Best feeling on the planet. It's the best. But general day to day, nothing beats wine. Yeah, I think you'd get more FOMO with beer. Mm hmm. But wine, you'd want to have more just to relax on your own or with your partner. But a beer is such like a look at those guys yeah. having fun with a beer. And But I guess I'm with the friends, especially nowadays, a lot less. <laughs> so let's go to the like you're always around and you always will be, Alex. No divorce. So <laughs> wine is kind of a couple's thing. So let's go for wine. Yeah, it's like a cozy hug, like your bitchy best friend that's always there for you, you know? Yeah, I have one of those. Yeah. Her name is Alex. <laughs> Okay, next question. At what age should you give your kid the sex talk? So Shane, I have an answer for this, but like when you are approaching parenting and thinking about the years ahead, how do you kind of envision that? Well, I never got the sex talk, so I have nothing to nothing to really go off of here, but I'm so open and like I'll I'll have it whenever. Like Lou and I are already kind of just talking about things mm -hmm. and bodies right now like we're yeah. just talking about the differences and Lou's very curious why you know when I pee in the washroom Lou will barge in and she's doing potty training right now so she'll point and say what's that when I'm peeing <laughs> and she's super confused why I have something different than her especially because Betty and I both have the same thing yeah so she's curious and I'm gonna be honest with her and I'll approach her when Whenever, like I'll Google it. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, okay. So I did Google it and I just wanted to say, so what we are doing intuitively is the right approach according to a lot of the researchers that I was looking at. So when it comes to sex talk, there's not really an age for the sex talk. It's not like 13, down, sitting down, we're going to talk about the birds and the bees. It starts when they are toddlers. It starts when they're young and then you just add different elements in because when you think about the sex talk, it's not just like penis goes into vagina, sperm comes out, baby. There's so many different elements to it. 
So you need to kind of start integrating those elements early to destigmatize everything that you're going to talk about. So what I was reading said that from birth to age two, that's when you start incorporating proper names for body parts. So we already do that. We don't call anything cutesy names. Lucy says her balba and it's that's pretty cutesy i gotta say it's Mm -hmm. pretty adorable but learning proper names not only does it help to stigmatize those things but it also helps when it comes to if unfortunately there is an instance where there may be a sexual assault or somebody approaches your kids and asks them to do something kids can identify that better and people are actually less likely to sexually assault your kids if they know proper names so good tip but for toddlers they start touching themselves like when they're younger than two the kids will start kind of going for a little i don't know what's a good way to say that jerk well no but like they'll start exploring down there right not in this house no daughter of mine <laughs> get out of here so that's when you can start telling them okay when it's appropriate to touch and where you don't want to like slap their hand away and say no it's shameful you say no we don't do that here and just kind of Keep a real easygoing vibe. Well, you're going to handle that conversation. You know I have no idea how to handle that thing down there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll handle that. I'm just guessing. So, yeah. So, the big thing is there that I've read is not to make that kind of thing shameful. But from ages two to five, that's when you start implementing boundaries. So, what is and isn't appropriate when touching or being touched by others. So, this is when you kind of start bringing consent into it. And like consent can start now. It starts with us with Lucy. Like if you're tickling your kid and they're like, no, no, you stop because you don't have their consent to be touching them anymore. Just like if there's, you know, old Uncle Al just throwing out fake names here. (laughs) You you don't say, "Okay, time to give Uncle Al a kiss and your kid doesn't want to and you make them to. That's not something that you should be doing. Right. If your kid doesn't want to kiss or hug a relative, even if it's grandma or grandpa, you just got to say that's fine. You don't force them to do those things because they have to learn that their boundaries are respected, right? And I remember like when I was young being kissed by like crazy old Polish relatives, like these like big wet kisses on my cheek and it was so gross. Like did you have any relatives that your parents would make you kiss? Yeah. Yeah, so unpleasant. But then you, you get in the habit of it and before you know it, you're just kissing a 40-year-old man and you're 15 and you're like, <laughs> what am I doing with my life? <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, so two to five boundaries and consent. And this is when you can start telling them where babies come from based on their ability to comprehend. So like if you think your kid can comprehend that babies come out of your vagina, go ahead and tell them that because really they're ready. What about the stork theory? Do we lose that one? Ditch the stork theory. Hate the stork theory. Gotta go. Do you know the story? Like I was uh, getting babysat when I was like, I think six or seven and we watched Uncle Buck, and then they came in, and they showed me a cartoon of a sex educational video. Of, <laughs> and the cartoon started having sex and explaining what? what was going on. What? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Who was babysitting you? My friend's mom and their, their dad. What? Or the mom's boyfriend. What happened? We watched a uh, cartoon sex educational video. Yeah, but what happened when your mom found out? I don't think we told her. That's freaky, Shane. That's not okay. You don't just show somebody's kid. What it was if, the 80s, man. What if your mom maybe set it up and was like, okay, do the sex talk for me? My mom doesn't know what's going on. My mom wouldn't do that. Well, she was trying to... My mom has a strict never teach the kids anything policy. 
I begged my mom to teach me how to drive once. Oh, no, they don't care. My, no one cares to teach me anything. <laughs> well, I will continue to teach you right now just a couple more things about when to give your kids a sex talk. So from ages six to eight, if your kids are that age, that's when you can start talking about how to safely explore digital spaces. Kids are getting phones so young now. They're surfing the internet, whatever. And I remember like, do, do you ever play the game Habbo Hotel? No. Okay. It's like this internet game from when internet first Is it a card game out. where a woman goes naked? No, oh. no. It's like you have a little person and you build a room in a hotel. Jake and I used to play it all the time. And we like the building aspect. But then, like, people would come on, like, start talking weird conversations. Jake and I thought it was funny. But no, they were predators, like 100% predators. So start talking about safe digital spaces or safely exploring digital spaces. And this is when you can start to bring up the topic of masturbation again because your kids are going to be six or eight. So this is when they're, like, past the exploring phase and they're actually going to be masturbating so again proper hygiene you don't want your kid getting an infection an infection and no matter what you say they're gonna do it so again you know this isn't the time to make it shameful because then they're just going to be riddled with shame in doing it so why not just kind of embrace the fact that it's gonna happen but you and, don't want them to be too proud no not proud you this is when you say okay like this is what happens you know in your room this is what happens when you're by yourself and you have to keep up proper hygiene because you don't want your kid like I said, getting an infection or something, right? Mm. Or like touching the milk container after going to town. From ages 9 to 12, this is when, you know, they're going through puberty. So a good time to talk about sex and not only sex, but sexism and sexualization of their bodies, of their classmates' bodies, why it's wrong, what they can kind of do to be more savvy and not contribute to that. And then teens... They're going to be exploring sex. They might be having sex. They might not be. But again, you don't want to be, from what I've read, and I know this is going to be so different for every family, but you just want to revisit consent, hugely. Consent is so important, and safety. So whether you do that or get their doctor to tell them that, whatever. But consent, I think, from ages two and up is huge, and people don't assume that that's a part of like the sex talk canon. Is sex, that good enough, Shane? Sex, man, yeah. All right, next question. Advice for two under two? So somebody has two kids under two years old. We got two kids, two and under. What would you tell them? Like, what do I tell them? Uh, I don't know. Just like this soon <laughs> shall pass. I drown out. <laughs> that you get used to the crying. Uh, <laughs> when baby Betty's crying I can't even hear it anymore and I don't mean that like oh I wouldn't notice if she was in dire need of something <laughs> I just mean my brain doesn't want to explode like it might have in yeah. the first week and en enjoy it like enjoy the chaos because it's going to end soon and mm -hmm. they're not they're going to be not wanting you or needing you shortly oh. they won't want me to crawl in their crib with them and snuggle them till they sleep yeah, it's like high school. Like we all look at it like, oh, those were the best times. But when we were going through it, it was the worst time mm -hmm. of our fucking lives. And then hindsight shifted it to have these nostalgic good times. And that's what's going to happen with these two under two memories, lugging all that stuff to the airport. It's going to be funny and fun. And mm -hmm. that's what I was trying to tell you yesterday before we got in our little uh, disagreement <laughs> that this is the time of our life right now. And we don't realize it and we got to appreciate it. And that's what people aren't living in the moment that's why dr michael gervais was saying like be present and in the moment because yeah. they're not gonna die or anything and you're not gonna die no i think that's i think that's good i don't even want to add to that because that's a really good answer shame 
Okay, next. If you could see any live music acts, dead or alive, who would you see? So if I could see anybody, for me it would be a tie between like early 80s talking heads. So like, you know, just David Byrne in his young prime, he's got an old prime too, but just dancing, having fun, I think that would be a so much fun to be at or Ziggy Stardust era David Bowie just weird fun cool music and like two albums and not albums but like two phases of these groups that I really love so it'd be very cool to see Talking Heads or David Bowie Elvis would be very cool for me I'd like to see Elvis Uh, young Elvis or old meat suit Elvis middle Elvis like I loved him when he did his comeback special so okay cool Elvis lost a whole bunch of weight for this special people had kind of thought he was washed up and then he came back and uh I think he was like 34 or 35 and he wore this all black leather suit and he was just looking amazing and it was this wicked comeback People should look it up. It's called the Elvis I'm Comeback Special. I'm going to. I don't know what this is. Yet. And he does. It's shot very neat. Like he's in the middle of the crowd, and it's very intimate, and like everyone's just surrounding him, and they they shot it pretty cool. And he's very charismatic and funny. I would have loved to have been at that show. I've actually been to Graceland, and both of my parents growing up were obsessed with Elvis, like to a crazy <laughs> extent. I, had, See, I can't. I can't picture your dad being obsessed with Elvis. I know. And the, here's the weird thing: they both dropped off and just stopped caring. Like my dad took me to Graceland. That's crazy. And my mom's dad, my grandpa, was obsessed with Elvis too. So Elvis was in my life for the longest time, and I had this picture of Elvis in my room, and I thought it was my dad growing up. <laughs> Because it sounds weird. They have the same hairdo. But my dad kind of looked like Elvis when I was young. and I, I have a half-naked photo of your dad on my phone, and I, know I will you agree. Do. But no, but that, that's when my dad is older. But I'll show you the picture. Cause I uh, Do you know the picture I'm talking about? I don't know. But in the one I have on my phone, he kind of has an Elvis vibe. But when I was young... Like I blue s- Hawaii vibe. But I swear, and that was like the, the movie we'd watch. Uh, this is it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> She just showed me a picture of his dad from our wedding. Okay. Um, yeah. So this is like, I swear, this is, I thought my dad was Elvis. Oh, he's Elvisy. He's Elvisy for sure in that. He's got the lips, the nose, the lips, mm-hmm. the eyebrows, like a very Elvisy. Yeah. The hair like, on top of the head. And like this picture was like always around and I was like, oh, that was my dad when he was younger. Do you think your dad could shake his hips like Elvis if he wanted to in his prime? No. You don't think even when your dad was a young guy, like going after your mom and Roseanne or whatever, like no, I think my dad. I honestly think my dad was pretty slick with women, but I don't think he dancing was one of his things. But yeah, it's it's just interesting. No, I think that was awesome, and Elvis would be an amazing one to see. There's so many amazing ones to see. Like, it's hard to pinpoint. All right, next question. Have you had a guest that you didn't like? Who didn't I like? Oh, um, here's the thing. It's <laughs> So the thing is, I tend to like the guests when we're interviewing them. Mm-hmm. But sometimes a guest will play like weird mind games after the fact. Without like, I have zero expectations of anyone doing anything. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes they'll shoot me an email or shoot you a DM and say, Make sure to send me that. I can't wait to share it. Or send me that promo or whatever. They'll ask for something. And then I'll send it to them and I'll be like, here you go. Or you'll be left on red. Or they'll be like, thanks, putting this up tomorrow. Mm. Or you'll be like, okay, th- great. And then they won't. <laughs> and then you'll be like, hey, like, 
did you I just want to know did you get my email okay and then they just they ignore you and it's you get I, ghosted and it just feels rude and it's that it's like when I hold the door open for someone mm-hmm. and they don't say thank you it's a weird feeling so I do tend to judge people based on their behavior after the fact yeah. and by the way I expect nothing from anyone it's just when there's this the ones weird that are like yeah I want to oh my god I loved that promo send it to me and I want to share it with my people and yeah. then they don't it's like well what gives like why take the time to send that email ask for it we stop everything and send it and then just not put it up and then ghost us when we ask if everything was okay it's weird I guess people do get busy and there's excuses but yeah that's my answer never in the moment it's always the judgment after the fact mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, who's our worst guest? See, maybe my answer would have been Wells Adams because I just got a weird vibe from him when we interviewed him. However, he totally redeemed himself because then he heard us saying that we got a weird vibe and then he hit us up and was like, guys, we need to re-record because I don't have weird vibes. And then he like went out of his way to reschedule with us, sit down with us for like an hour and a half again. And do another interview. Yeah. Which was like the ultimate cool guy move. It was. And it was so kind and nice to do that and very professional Mm because he reminds me of my friend Mike, who I do Micah much with. But much like Mike, Mike will go out of his way and do things. But I don't think that necessarily means Wells likes us. I think he's just like... (laughs) Yeah, these annoying people think this. I'm doing this. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I got to say, I I do agree with that. And I don't think he necessarily likes us either. But it made me like him. It made me like him a lot. Yeah, well, I I definitely respect the heck out of him. (laughs) All right, next question. All right, so I've had a boyfriend for two years. We talk about getting married, but we fight all the time. What do I do? So I'm assuming that this person fights with their boyfriend like a lot a lot to the point where they're considering not getting married so I said earlier in the opening that you know when I was younger I just knew I wasn't going to marry people even if we had talked about that like sometimes when you're happy with somebody you know I'd sit down with a boyfriend and he'd be like oh we're gonna get married I'd be like yeah sure buddy but I knew in my heart that that would never happen so then when the going would get tough I'd just kind of up and leave after an argument uh so I'm probably not the right person to ask. And, you know, you always have to do what's right for you because you're the only one who knows how you feel about a situation. But I'd just say, like, if that's the person whose shit you want to put up with for the rest of your life, because that's essentially what marriage is, like choosing somebody whose crap you want to put up with forever, then stick with it. But if you're not married, you're not engaged, and you're already thinking about getting out of there, I might even say get out of there. Yeah, I think it's only going to get worse. And I would think sometimes, yeah, there's rare situations where you'll kind of grow out of the fighting. But go to relationship therapy, couples See, therapy. You've, you've done that before. I've never done yeah. that. And would you recommend that for people that are dating and not married? Even yes, like, of course. Yeah, but do you, do you think it's worth like if you are yes. fighting enough when you're just dating, not even at the point of marriage, but just dating? You think it's more worth it to go to therapy than just to break up? I think it's equally as important if you're about to get married Mm -hmm. than if you are actually married because it'd be a lot better to call it off before before you do become that divorcee. Mm -hmm. Nope, that's a good call. But I'm no uh, Nick Vile. (laughs) We should ask him that one. All right, and our last question. I know you two don't want any more kids, but what would you do if you got pregnant again accidentally? 
So if we got pregnant again accidentally, first of all, I hope that doesn't happen. Putting so. us in a very precarious <laughs> podcast uh, position here. No, it, first of all, I don't want that to happen. That's why, you know, I'd advocate for vasectomy um, because I'm not getting touched down there at all by any doctors Well, we have anymore. a sexist marriage. You're not getting touched <laughs> down there by anyone. <laughs> but... Yeah, so that's not happening with me. So Shane gets tubes tied. We don't have that happen. But if for some reason some little freak sperm got out of there, got me pregnant, then I mean, you know, we suck it up. We sell a painting and we have that third kid. And it's funny because... I think you're overestimating your artistic abilities here, Alex. <laughs> no, but uh, we don't want any more kids. However, the other night Shane and I were lying in bed and I was like... You know, it's so much fun, isn't it? Aren't the girls beautiful? Like, this is so much fun raising the babies. I love having a baby. And I was like, I could, if pregnancy wasn't so bad, I, I think I'd want another kid. Like, I think I want another kid. But then it's like, no, Alex, pregnancy is terrible. I get so sick because I have lupus and it's just everything is exacerbated. I cannot get pregnant again. My body can't do that. I think I will die, like actually die. But, you know, if I didn't have to go through that... I don't know. I'm I'm loving these little kids. Yeah, kids are nice, but you want to be comfortable too, and you want to travel, mm-hmm. and it affects the seating at a table and what getting. What if we a got car. real rich? Well, if we get real rich, everything's out the window. Nothing matters. Then you have help, and yeah. So w- what happens here? Okay, you get pregnant. So we either yeah, we're not giving a kid up for adoption. We either probably. get rich or die trying. I know, but that's not the question here. We're focusing focus on the question. Right. Yeah, you wouldn't give up a kid for adoption, right? No. So we'd keep the baby. Yes. And that's it. And I guess you wouldn't abort it. No. So we'd keep the baby. So that's the plan. <laughs> but I've been I'm really good at coitus interruptus. But have you thought any more about tubes tied? Yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah? Yeah, I think you should do it. <laughs> it's not called tubes tying for a guy. What is it? Oh, snip? Get the old snip? Yeah, vasectomy. Okay, so how do you think about, how do you feel about a snip? Morning, after you get snipped, I think there's no sex for three days. <laughs> All right, on that funny little joke, I'm going to say thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 56.